All right, we're going to do it live. We're going to do it live right now. Coco Talk, episode 44, is going live in three, two. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroh. All right, everybody, and welcome to Coco Talk, episode 44, where every week we gather some of the most talented and best-looking people on the internet. And, and Steve, too. <laughs> Unfortunately, none of them can make it. <laughs> yes, and this week, let's let's address who we have who is not here all the time but we have about a special appearance everybody author of bouncy ball lee patterson's in the house hey lee thanks for joining us this week bounce on all right i'm loving that hat so hopefully we'll get to hear about some of the updates on the bouncy ball project hey david lads calling in speaking of some of the best looking men on the internet um, if there was a calendar of the dudes of retro David would be the cover boy. Um, so, also with us, who's not here all the time, but Mikey's back. How are you, Mikey? Hey, Mikey, I'm pretty good. Okay, I'm not muted. <laughs> <laughs> That's always nice to know. Uh, also, recurring uh, uh, occasional guest of the show, Alan Huffman's with us. How you doing there, Alan? Hi there. I, I had to find my hat. <laughs> and what a fine hat it is, sir. And some of our regulars, our segment producers, our engineers, our coordinators, our, uh, the cast, the crew, the, the magic, the makers of the magic are with us every single week. Mr. Mark Overholzer is with us once again. How are you today, Mark? I'm doing fine. And he has gotten uh, his um, house arrest bracelet has been cut off. He's been able to leave the garage. So Ron Delvo is with us from inside in the air conditioning. Ron Delvo is with us. <laughs> How you doing? Doing good. From the great white north, Curtis Boyle is with us once again. Thank you for being here, Curtis. Hello, everyone. Coco Man himself, Jason Reichert is here. Hey, Jason. How are you? Hey, everybody. All right, and joining us, the one, the only, the Lord of the Floppy, the Duke of Digital Data Distribution, David Ladd himself is with us. David, how are you? Hello, everyone. <laughs> From down under, we've got Nick Marentes. Good day, Nick. Good day, everyone. From Yay! Down Yay, Nick's back. <laughs> Hey, Ken is here. Your brother's here, uh, Jason, so expect some trolling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As always. From the Great White North, the producer of the Coco Talk theme song and intro video, uh, this multi-talented, good-looking man himself, Mr. Bruce Moore is with us. Hey, Bruce, how are you? 
Doing well, thanks. Glad to be here. All right, and last but certainly not least, the living legend, the arcade game aficionado, Mr. Hardware, Mr. Software, Mr. All-Around from sunny Southern California. Steve Bjork's in the house. Steve, how are you today? Uh, doing pretty good can only be here for a little while but we're gonna have a great time we are gonna have a great time so now that we've gotten the formal formalities out of the way and in the live chat we've got 18 people watching us live right now so let's real high say hi to Norlander and to James Jones and to Tim Franklin and Tom C and Nick Marota and uh, James Jones and Ken Ken make it thank you all for being here um, we have a brand new segment that we actually, um, I forgot to do last week, but that's the great thing about this show. And so this segment is called, Why Did They Do That? And and for this week, it's going to be called, Why Did Tandy Do That? And we're going to pick a topic of something that's happened that we could maybe look back at today and say, you know, maybe could have been different, but whatever. But before we do that, because this is a professional show, we've got a fancy intro graphic and um, little musical ditty here. So fasten your seatbelt, folks, because this is what professional uh, streaming is all about right here. Tell me why did Tandy do that? Whoa! Was that awesome? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? we got to hear that one again. Listen to this. It's worth hearing. Tell me why did Tandy do that? Ladies and gentlemen, that was from Alan Huffman, no less, the uh, jingle producer extraordinaire. So, uh, we have two distinguished uh, experts in their field are going to talk to us about a particular thing that Tandy has done. Uh, we're going to start with Mr. Steve Bjork, and you want to go ahead and tell us today, Steve, what we're going to deliberate what? on? Yeah, basically, uh, when I was up on the face group uh, a couple weeks ago, somebody had posted, you know, like, what's going on here? I've got a 64K color computer, too. I type in print mem, and it only says about 24K. Now, a lot of folks getting back into the cocoa, this is a little puzzling. Why, you know, hey, look, i got a PC, and when it says I've got um, 4 gigabytes, it tells me i got 4 gigabytes. Mm. Why can't this machine tell me or use or whatever i got 64k in here why can't i use all of it and so we thought we'd go around and talk about just how the coco uses memory and why do they do things like that back then all right great topic all right well got to remember the coco is uh technically an eight Hi. almost slash 60 uh thir excuse me slash 16-bit processor and that basically tells you how much memory it was designed to access um, 16 bits of addressing only gives you 64k hey coco's got 64k in there well it should be able to access all of it well it is accessing all of it but part of it is also being used by your roms you know how you can turn on the computer and instantly comes up and it's got basic in there it can do these things Mm -hmm. Well, those ROMs also take space, too. And in the design of the Coco, half the memory was allocated for RAM, and the other half was allocated for ROM and talking to bits of hardware and stuff like that. So what happens is the Coco can only access, this is the Coco 1 and 2, can only access up to 32K of RAM, typically, when you're in BASIC. Okay, well, that explains why you could only have a maximum of 32k why can't you have all that 32k 
Well, there are some things in the computer that take memory too. Things like your video displays, buffers. Um, matter of fact, like for example, if you're in disk extended color basic, you've got one about a memory that comes free. But if you've got disk color extended basic, you actually have less memory because disk basic needs some space for talking to the hard drive. Okay. So, and like that. Now, in the case of the Color Computer 3, it's got 128K. How can you access more than 64K if that's all the processor can do? Well, the processor in the Coco is still only accessing 64K of total address space. But it's got a memory management unit inside there, too. And that all so famous gimme. The gimme gives us graphic mem graphic modes and like that, but it also expands the ability for the color computer to talk to more than 64K. Now that I've totally lost everybody, <laughs> <laughs> it basically, there was a okay. little bit of hardware that was added to the Coco 3, so it could access the entire uh, 128 or 512K of memory. And since this color extended basic was never really technically designed to understand more than 64K addressing and doesn't understand this MMU, it takes some special programs or OS9 to access more than the 64K of address space. Yeah. I want to mention one thing on the Coco 3. The basic in Coco 3 actually does let you access some of the memory past your normal 32K of RAM that you get. The high-res print buffers, the high-res screen itself is actually from outside your 32K. That doesn't take room right. away from your 32K, which on the Coco 1 and 2 it does. Like if you do a P mode 4, that takes 6144 bytes out of the memory that you actually have in your 32K space. On the Coco 3, the higher-res modes actually come from outside that space. So technically, you actually are accessing more than 32 in the Coco 3. And that's not because that's your use. Technically, in that section there, you're not using the basic that was created by Microsoft back in 1980. What you're using is the, what the fine folks at Microware did to improve with the super extended color basic. Whoa. Yeah. Ooh. Yep. And just a shout out, James Jones, who used to work at Microware, is actually in our chat. So, Hey, James. Mm -hmm. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, James said that was a good explanation. Um, Very good. So I, had a, <clears throat> I had a board that uh, I put on my um, Model 1 um, Coco One that uh, gave me 128K, and it came with a uh, software program to access that 128K as a um, RAM disk, which was interesting back in '83 or four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of those boards. There was like a Bubble Memory one that Color Computer Magazine had those 128K. Micro RGS out of Montreal actually made, I think, a 256 and even a 512K board for the Coco One and Two usually access a hard drive or a print buffer or something like that. There was a couple of programs, uh, Base Bass 264, I think, was one that actually let you access 64K in BASIC because you could swap between the two 32K chunks of RAM and have, like, two programs running at once, or you could have, you know, data statements in one and then and then call, you know, the main program in the other type thing. So you could actually get more, but that's not stock from Tandy. Yeah, yeah, that's the, you know, when you turn on your computer, you're not going to see any of that. And that's the thing is, we're working with a, a language that was initially written back in, you know, 1980, 79, actually, was when they started. So, um, but, you know, it, as computers progressed, like, for example, when IBM came out with their 
uh, first PC, it could access a whopping one megabytes of RAM. And they thought nobody was ever going to need more than one meg of RAM on their personal computer. Actually, even less. Yeah. They, they limited it to 640K and 384K was for ROMs for cards. Exactly. Wasn't it? Yeah, well, that was the thing. That was, that was Intel's idea was that a meg was going to be more than enough for anybody. And we sure learned quickly how limited it was. <laughs> if anybody worked on a PC, you were constantly trying to do tricks with high mem to get mm -hmm. your games to run. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, it's been a battle uh, between what designers design and what you can access. And the color computer is an example of what happened back in those days. Is that you know you, we use half of it for the ROM and half of it for the RAM, and, and then you got to have buffers and display screens and stuff like that, and that limits what you can do. Yeah. I should mention there was one other program that came out that would basically copy, like if you kick in 64K RAM mode, instead of having your two banks of 32 that you're swapping in and out, it would actually put both RAM banks and map the ROMs out. What it would do is copy the ROMs into RAM, patch them a little bit, and because the disk basic ROM, the extended basic ROM, the color basic ROM only takes 24K, it would enable an extra 8K for basic. So then you, I think they used to call it BAS 40K or something, because you could actually have a basic program that had access to 40K of RAM mixture of screens and, and everything else too that was a fairly common thing to do um wasn't there a trick with the 64k dragon computers that would do that on startup i seem to remember reading that if you fired up a 64k dragon and typed exec it would move things around to do a similar trick with their basic yeah i think it was built into the dragon which it wasn't built into the tandy one it's built into which the is too bad why didn't they yeah. do that <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, I'll tell you one thing for reliability. They did not like the ROMs being copied into RAM on the Coco One and Two. If you had a program that start poking somewhere, or if you had some machine language that was crashing, it would write over the uh, RAM. Where in the case of ROM, you can't write over it and make the system unreliable. But uh, in the case of the Coco Three, that's exactly what they did. Is that the ROMs got patched via RAM. Yeah. And if and I remember like correctly, that was due to a licensing thing because Microsoft didn't want anything to do with making the new version of the ROM. And Microware had to patch it in such a way that they had to take the original stock Microsoft ROMs. Legally, they couldn't modify the ROM itself. And then add a ROM that would actually patch, you know, copy it into RAM and then patch it in to extend the basic for super extended basic. Well, that's true that Tandy didn't want to do it. I mean, you know, or I should say Microsoft didn't want to do it because they have found the beauty of selling MS-DOS to the world and was making a lot of money that way that they didn't want to put the resources into patching their old basic. The price they wanted to charge was outrageous and microware was much cheaper. Right, 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 right. So let me ask a dumb question about ROM, how the computer processes rom or does so yeah let me put it to you this way basic is in a rom and and between color basic and extended color basic we were looking at about 8k worth of code right and those two 616 if you're combining both 8k for okay. 8, 8, 8, 8. so was that information quote unquote processed directly in the rom itself was rom addressable like ram is or does the yep. rom run inside of ram no, in the way this, yeah, it it just pulls it straight in the same way that pulls a cartridge straight in. It's just in the address space for the processor to access. So ROM is literally code that's being processed from that chip, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So just as if it was pulling like in the, from the chip, the RAM chips. It's just like the RAM, except when you power it off, it doesn't go away. It's permanent, whereas right. the RAM. Right. Okay, but so I, because we are we lose about 8K, and I thought that that 8K we lost was because basic downloaded itself into RAM to be no. processed. No. No, the, the 8K that you lose when you boot it up is basically your graphic screen, your text screen, because it defaults to PClear 4 for a okay. PMO4 screen. So that's 6K gone right there. Basic has its own internal variables, which takes up the first 400 hex bytes, 1024 bytes. And Disk Basic takes another couple chunks away for like sector buffers and file buffers and all that kind of stuff too, which drops it a bit more, but it has nothing to do with the size of the ROM. Oh, okay. So yeah, and there was something we lost with the Coco 3. Since it fired up, copied the ROMs into RAM and patched them. It used those addresses. So any of the old color computer 1 and 2 programs that would use the memory under the ROMs for their own storage, it would bank the ROMs out, put stuff into that RAM, and then bank the ROMs back in. Uh, those programs wouldn't work on a color computer 3 because they would now be trashing the, uh, the area where BASIC was running out of. How annoying. Yeah. Unless you diddled around with which MMU blocks you were doing on each one, because you could Mm -hmm. Kind of hide it that way. Your programs have been made. Coco three. And when you, once again, when you start talking about the MMU, you're talking about this is hardware with the Coco three, not on the yeah, one mm -hmm. and two. Right. So, and I, did anybody I, ever make a memory management chip for the one and two? Not um, well, very coarse not ones. Yet. Not like the MMU on the Coco three. I mean, anything that did the 32K or 64K bank switching, the 120K boards, 256K boards, 512K boards, all had a very, very primitive one, but not, mm -hmm. not as programmable as the MMU on the Coco 3. While we're on the subject of the MMU, how that works is basically, think of looking at the front wall of your house uh, from the inside. You want to look at the real world. The world, real world is much bigger than what you have access from the house. You have windows and doors. Well, what you can do is tell the Coco, the MMU, that this door has access to this much of the real world. And the win this other window has access to this much of the uh, world. And, of course, all these windows and doors are all 8K, as far as you're concerned, inside the Coco, 8K of memory. And, but it can look at anywhere in the real world. And that's how it works, is you only see 64K of RAM from the Coco side inside the house, but it's addressing the entire 512 or 128 that exists in the real world. Yeah, you can specify up to 8 8K blocks. You can mix and match. You can map the same one in multiple times if you want for some reason. Um, and there's also two DAT register switches, so there's actually two sets of eight, so you can instantly switch between the two which is what OS9 does. It keeps its system mode, all the kernel and the actual main operating system is in DAS, DAT task 0. And your user mm -hmm. programs and graph driver are all in DAT task 1. And whenever you task switch or multitask between programs, that's what it's doing. It's hopping between them. Uh, real quick, I just happened to notice something here. It looks like Ron Delvo has found another good use for a uh, MC10 box. He's using it to hold up that yeah. monitor behind him there. So, uh, <laughs> Darn, that was so, going to be a secret. Uh, not, only, not only do they make door stops, but Darn. they also make good monitor stands. <laughs> um, you know, Jim Gary always says it's really versatile. I guess this proves something. Hey, Ron, uh, you're... What? Ron, your question about have they made a MMU for the Coco one or two? Yeah, Jim yeah. Brain has one on his webpage. It's called the Coco Mem Junior. Oh, oh, that's neat. right. Yeah, is that actually for sale yet, or is that just kind of announced? 
I don't know. It's announced, and he has a proto. So, because I think he was actually making it compatible with the Kogel Three, so we could actually make a Nobus Nine Level Two kind oh. for the. He has a separate one for that. He has a Coco Mem for the Coco Three, the Coco Mem Junior for the One and Two. No, I meant he was actually duplicating the Coco 3's MMU hardware on the oh, Coco right. One Two, so it was right, compatible software-wise. Right? Yeah, I believe it is. So, yeah. Uh, I want to get back to the original also, question, and oh, go ahead, David. No, I was going to say also as far as MMUs on Coco One and Two's Tormod has also made a card that's. Uh, <clears throat> Is similar to the Coco 3's MMU for memory management as well on the um, Dragons, Coco 1's and 2's. Cool. And by the way, thanks for being with us, David. I know you've been sick for like over a week now, so thanks for dragging yourself out to uh, make the show today. Um, yeah, I want to get back to the original question. You're, you're new to the Coco. Uh, you just bought a Coco off of eBay. It says it has 64K. One of the first confusing things you see is you do a print mem, and it's telling you you've got roughly 24K, which is roughly a third of what you thought you paid for. I think you answered one of the questions, is that BASIC can only see half of that. So BASIC was only going to recognize 32K, correct? Yep. Okay, and then part of that 32K now is reserved because the graphic screen has been reserved. That's 6K right there. So your P mode 4 screen. Okay, Steve Bjork says he has to go. Thanks for being here, Steve. Um, Thanks. Good Bye, everybody. Um, Bye, Steve. <clears throat> so, so your graphics page that takes up 6K right there, and then you've got another 2K that's kind of reserved for variables and buffers and disk space and things like that, right? And your so text screen itself, which is text screen, which screen. is a, which is about a K too, right? Half, half a K, K. right? So that's, that's, normal. that's normal for most computers. How, how much free memory did a Commodore 64 have? Anyone know? 38K or something like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's it's a common thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, now, one of the things that's different in the color computer is, you know, we had the option of starting with an 8K basic ROM, adding an 8K uh, for extended basic, adding another 8K for the disk controller. So there was 24K that could be added. And if they had done it backwards, put Color Basic way at the top, then they could have made it so you could use all that memory. And then when you added the next 8K ROM, it bumped everything down, uh, and, and they could have worked reverse. And so that's really my question. Why didn't Tandy do it that way? Because if you have a Color Basic computer with 32K or more, you can get about 31K out of um, the computer just on startup. Hmm. But as you add those, you could never go past it because it had all that place for where ROMs would be if you didn't have them. And it's probably because they just weren't even thinking about memory reaching that far when they designed the poor little machine. Right. Mm -hmm. Also the complication because then you'd have to have the, the basics actually know how to remap themselves and change everything too. That might have, they had to fit it in an 8K ROM and they crammed quite a bit of stuff in there. So it, it might just be that we're running out of space to try to implement something like that. But I don't know hey, for sure. Steve, there's one other thing that you didn't mention. Uh, some people, when they buy a Cocoa, it doesn't say 64K on the box anywhere. I'm mean, on the computer at all. I mean, it just right. says color computer. So, right, right. You know, the, then they're um, forced with... Be tough for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that, Ron? No, just that... Uh, you know, you, you buy a computer and uh, you turn it on and you'll read the screen and it gives you no indication of what size you have, except if it's, um, you know, um, doesn't have extended basic. Right, 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 right. And that was going to lead right. to my other. 
there's no nobody has upgraded a a uh, basic ROM machine with 64K, right? Well, what would oh, you yeah. use? I had one. Did you really? Yep. I, I didn't buy extended basic for a while because I, well, actually, I cheated back then because I was kind of poor. I was a student. So I, I got the 64K first because I found out there was programs you could load the basic ROMs in in 64K RAM mode and just run them. So I didn't have to pay for the ROM. Oops, sorry. <laughs> so it's kind of pirating the ROM in a way. Mm, okay. There were some uh, Coco 2s that actually did say 64K color compute on the uh, on the bags yeah. and the front. Yeah. Those those were the later model ones, yeah. But yes. not many. Right. So that was going to lead into my follow-up question on this. Is Number one, I think we've explained why we're not seeing everything but number two what would be the most reliable way to validate or verify the amount of ram you have um you know diagnostically the original crack open the case yeah crack open the case and look at it but i mean you want to test the ram and have something tell you how much ram you have and how much ram is good right so what would be a good validation tool to say yes i've got 64k and all 64k is good memory test program Right. Yeah. My go-to my go is Sailor Man, just so you know. If, I, if it can run <laughs> Sailor Man, it's good. But is there a valid... Another one, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, OS9 Level 1 came with a 64K memory test. Well, I mean, basically, if you can boot OS9, you have 64K working, too. So that's another one. But there was a oh, diagnostic the cartridge. Is- there, there was a Tandy diagnostic cartridge, but that was made at a time when they were selling 4K and 16K Cocos. I don't think they even planned on making 64k when they first made the cocoa no no i should mention too there was a bit of a hack in the early 80s before the 64k got officially made because ram chips with the 64k ram chips was fairly expensive so some people were doing 32k ram upgrades by stacking two sets of 16k chips literally on top of each other and soldering pins together and it works as 64 or as 32k ram you can't use 64k programs but it did have a couple of quirks the vdg couldn't access it properly past the first bottom set of chips so if you did a p mode 4 comma 5 or something up higher in memory it would start garbling the screen up after you got past the first 16k into the second 16k bank basic ran fine and machine language programs ran fine but your video if you tried to offset your video into the second 16k chunk it would get scrambled Hmm. so that's that's fairly rare not to me people did that because that that price differential didn't last too long before 64k chips became cheap enough to not warrant it Right. But there was a period of about from 81 to 83 where that was semi-common. I had one of them for a while, too. Now, there's yeah. something else that we haven't taken in, into account is uh, a newbie gets a, a color computer, and they want to open it up, and they see the tag over the um, hole for the screw, and you'll stop for a minute and think, oh. Warranty. Warranty, yeah. Are you going <laughs> to... So are we are we worried about voiding the warranty? Or are we worried about potential resale value or collectability being um, tarnished from this? Well, the warranty Go was ahead. only ninety days, so it wasn't really worth it. Anyway. <laughs> That's expired. Go ahead. Yeah, make right. my day. Yeah. Um, also, um, uh, Tandy were for a period there selling thirty-two K color computers, which were actually sixty-four K. They did yeah. actually have. 64k chips but they weren't telling people or for some reason yeah because they officially announced 32k cocos for a couple of years before the 64k coco and the coco 2 came out in 1983 in september Mm -hmm. and before that they were selling 32k for about a year or two and it actually was 64k chips and that was where frank hogg did his famous 
color computer news article on free 32k for everybody type thing <laughs> solstice says it's not really yours until you break the warranty seal so there you go <laughs> all right okay well we're going to continue hey. this topic but we're let's take a quick commercial break so everybody hold that thought uh. and we'll be back in just a second this is fascinating stuff though i'm, I'm on the edge of my seat <laughs> this is ron's garage this is the place and it's on coco talk it was stevie stroke and a cast of crazies that love this machine. <laughs> either one, either ride. It's awesome. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at cocotalk.live and clicking on the Patreon link. But just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. All right, well, we are back. And so we are talking about this right here, folks. Tell me why did Tandy do that? And so, yes, why? Why was the man holding us down? Why was the man not letting us have all 64K of our memory? Um, I think we've answered some of those questions. Um, and uh, I think Ron or somebody else had something else they wanted to add to that. So... Uh, what else can we add to this discussion on why does our memory not look the way it's opposed to? Well, we haven't spoken about the um, upcoming uh, 8 megabyte RAM or beyond 512K um, upgrades for the Coco 3. There's a few of those in progress. How, how do we get past the uh, 512K MMU limitation? Right, right. Well, that's that's a whole other topic, I think. But um, well, it's a source. Well, get, it's related. Yeah, it's related. VCC and the Coco 3, yeah. eight. Right, and so I don't know. If I, Curtis, I have an eight gram board. So yeah, I don't know if you want to take. <laughs> so from from what I understand, they're worth or what was a Tandy only. Um, Tandy only did supported uh, did five twelve, but there were some third parties that went up to two megs, right? Yeah, Disto did one meg and two meg RAM upgrade. Okay, board. and then the that, no the no can board actually went up to eight megabytes. And what did you get? You yeah, got two, and was two designed to handle up to sixty four. There was a version in, in spec. I don't know if it was ever built. And that was designed it, to give you two megs of real RAM and then six megs of a uh, RAM disk. Well, that was the default drivers. You could technically, if a machine language programmer could use it for whatever the heck they wanted. Ah. Um, basically, basically it, was, it was basically just extended. There was added some extra bytes in the IOware that would tell you which chunk of 512K do you want to use. They also had a separate one that pointed to where you wanted your video RAM to be. So you could have your video RAM in a totally separate 512K chunk too. But yeah, as far as the OS9 drivers, it was just easiest to do the 2 meg because that fit the number of bits the MMU registers have normally. Going past that would mean rewriting a lot of the kernel completely and breaking some software, to be honest. Mm. So the rest of it was usually used for RAM drive. So okay. for two megabytes, it was really basically um, a circuit to extend the um, the abilities of the current MMU. Anything yeah, just enabled the bit two bits that were just not that's used. That's right. There were two bits unused, and all they've done is they've 
made use of those two and that allows you to go up to two megabytes to go beyond two megabytes was a bit more um, involved in that you had to then replicate that uh, two megabyte space uh, multiple times I guess yeah and you had special extra registers added to show it which where the video is coming from out of that beyond two meg space and yeah. where your regular MMU blocks are coming from beyond the two meg space Two megabytes should be enough for anyone. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, was, it was more than the PC needed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so then... You print um, those little stickers that cover the bolt hole there. The warranty? And then you use a RetroBright and make a brand new machine almost, huh? <laughs> yeah. I think... Uh, well, Dandy never had a 512K uh, badge for the Cocoa 3 either, but somebody at one of the fests started making them. Actually. Yeah, it was Mike Rowe. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, so memory has always been a challenge for older systems, right? Always trying to squeeze what you could into the RAM. And, um, and, and there's true a sim- with humans, too. Yeah, they're <laughs> very true. <laughs> I mean, there's a, similar, um, there's a similar rate of exchange deficit when you look at hard drives, right? You know, hard drive's supposed to have a certain amount of capacity, but what's printed on the box, number one, is printed in decimal, not binary. So when they say 500 gigs, it's not 500 times the gigabyte. It's 500,000. That's your first differential. Um, once you start formatting things with your file systems, that puts on overhead. And so hard drives are never going to report the space you think they're going to have either because of file systems, cluster sizes, all kinds of crap like that. So um, there's always this thing where I thought I was getting so much, but I'm getting... A little bit less, and I think to a degree that that happens today on some newer stuff. That's like uh, that's like um, getting a TV and measuring it at a diagonal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixty-inch TV is not sixty inches wide, right? So no, uh, yeah. And to be honest, on hard drives, that's been a more recent change because back in the hard drives, the older ones you bought in the eighties and stuff, a, a meg was a meg. I think it was yeah. in the late nineties, some around there, is when they started changing it over because it was just easier for normal people to understand. Right. Yeah, and, base and I noticed yeah. that. I noticed that too with a SciQuest hard drive I had hooked up to my Coco. 128 megs was the computer. 128 megs, and when I got Cloud 9s IDE interface that used a compact flash card, I went down and bought a 128 meg compact flash card. Thought I could copy it over, and it was smaller. <laughs> right. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, what else do we need to talk about memory? Have we beat memory to death, or is there anything else we need to close on that? Because we had we had another another one to discuss today, right? Well, let, let me let me add that what we probably need is a very simple, basic program people can talk type in that tells them if they have 32K or 64K because it's easy to tell if you've got four or sixteen. Uh, but you can't write one purely in BASIC because in order for BASIC to run, those ROMs have to be mapped in. So we probably just need to give somebody a simple little program they can type in that's got some machine language in it that's you know just a yep. few lines of uh, something that would just tell them because that this comes up so often on the Facebook list. Yeah. Yep. So that would there's some programs with, uh, I think on the archive too. That would go along with the poke or whatever for the multi-pack and uh, give me a date. 
could be yeah. a like yeah, a little kind of like a newbie's guide for people that don't have all yeah. the stuff set up to download and make disk images or cassette files where they could just type in some simple things and kind of know what they have because uh, it seems like every week somebody pops up and 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 asks the same question. Yep. Yeah, yeah, That's a good yeah. Point. You probably wouldn't need a very uh, elaborate program if you can poke to the higher area of memory. Turn on do a poke and a read and alter one byte above the 32k you can safely say then you you have 64k because it only ever came out either as a 32 or a 64 anyway so if you can alter some ram under the roms just one byte then you can you know that that'll be a one liner uh, you can say well, except the fact that as soon as you do the poke to swap the ram out your roms gone so now your basic program doesn't have anything to run yeah. Just needs to do you a little machine language program. To yeah, you do need a little machine language program because you have to keep control. You can't even do a poke. I yeah, mean, you but do that the first could poke be just that tells it enable 32k, and then your second poke <laughs> that's going to try to poke into it. There's no poke command anymore. You have no ROM. Mm. Yeah, but I bet you it could be you know a dozen data statements in a basic program to do that. So um, maybe, yeah. maybe one of us yeah. will actually do that, and we can make it a sticky file on the group or something. Yeah, as Steve said. Here, here. The best test is load Sailor Man. If it runs Sailor Man... <laughs> oh, no, I would pick OS9 level 1. Okay. I mean, that, <laughs> Sailor Man so is, is the best test. So is it that you can download for uh, emulators? So what was that, Lee? So for uh, emulators, what would be your best option for um, a good basic? Um, I'm the same ROMs. Well, uh, like, um, is there uh, any other basics that you can, that have been patched or tweaked or any of that? Aside from Basic 09, uh, still talking RS-DOS. Uh, the disk like, ROMs have been patched all over the place. There's YA-DOS, HDB-DOS, ADOS 3, ADOS 3 Extended. So those have definitely had some patches. As far as the color basic and extended basic ROMs, I don't know if anybody really did. There was some... 64k RAM programs that would copy the ROMs to RAM and patch them a little bit so you can get 40k of accessible space and stuff, which some people had burned on the ROMs back in the day. But I, that's about the only thing I know of it, to be honest. And and there was a 40k basic patch that floated around back then, but uh, it moved things around or something. So uh, I guess that had some incompatibility issues. But it kind of tried to do the same trick the 64k Dragon did. Because the question is, who's planning on writing a, a big basic program anyway? Bruce. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> Bruce, but is there anyone else? <laughs> hey, how does um, Linville do his video um, movies? How is he? You know, that's a Coco Three, I guess. But yeah, but that's, that's streaming, that's streaming off a memory manager. That's streaming off of a hard drive or memory card device. That's not swapping right. RAM like crazy. But it's it is, isn't it? It's bringing in RAM all the time, right? Um, yeah, but it's it's right. it's within the sixty four k space. It's not going outside and doing all these special wacko things we're talking about here. It's basically just you could run it on. Well, you had a sixty four k. There's a sixty four k video player for the Google One and Two, but but kind of proves that as long as you can keep reading it fast enough into the video, that's that's all you need. You don't need to add more RAM to handle it. Pokemon's got Sailor Man running. So you've got 64K, Coco Man? <laughs> That's a good 64K test there right is. there. Yes. The ultimate 64K RAM test. 
right there. By the way, Jim Gary says 20K is more than anyone would ever need for a basic program. So. <laughs> the MC10. You can That's do a fairly good. big program in 20K, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing I didn't realize back in the day, I've only kind of understood recently, is that the amount of everything that the Coco does, it does in RAM. So the graphics itself takes up RAM. Um, the program takes up RAM. I, I couldn't understand why some of the old 4K games looked so bad. I just thought they were lazy or sloppy. I'm like, man, why do all these games have this look like crap? But it's really because with 4K, you're limited to a low resolution screen, all right? Yep. Um, you and you, <laughs> what's that? You're talking about the MC10. <laughs> no, but even the early yeah, Coco. Even 4K Coco. MC10 have leftover for basic. Yeah. And hey, speaking speaking of uh, low res, did anybody mm -hmm. see? I think it's uh, um, Roger Taylor posted a uh, video of him. Um, looking at a uh, real low graphics movie <laughs> yeah that was neat it? it was like constantly that's scrolling. awesome yeah i was watching that but i um i couldn't finish watching it but that was really neat it was all like just yeah. scrolling scrolling text yeah a friend yeah, of was... mine just got a uh, a uh, <laughs> commodore and he wants to do a um a bbs right and he goes well, i'd like you to maybe design my uh you know front end of it and I go, geez, it would take so long to make up something, you know, with all those blocks and everything. And then um, I, I saw that movie and I thought to myself, geez, it would take centuries to make all that. You know, each screen at a time, you're making characters and you're doing text. And Yeah, well, well there was anti editors back in the hair. day for that. I remember using them on the PC, so. Yeah. Grant, Grant is here. Grant is carrying the troll uh, mantle since Jim Brain is not here. Um, welcome, Grant. Yeah, no, I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> David uh, Grant says, I'm sorry I'm not on today. I got the David flu. <laughs> David Ladd uh -huh. is infecting us all. Uh, right. Um, yeah. Could I make a small comment? Of course. You can In make regards to Ron's... Ron's uh, thing about the bbs and the tech screens uh -huh. um that ron there's a trick that you could do is if you you want write a basic program <clears throat> to basically um use basic to generate your tech screens so you could have certain backgrounds and things like that and update your screen then you output the screen as your your frame for the BBS, and then you can just move objects, take the, the the frame buffer, and you just keep doing that, and then you can piece that together for your animated movie. Um, that's actually how I proved to my COBOL instructor back when I was going to my school, because she was adamant that you couldn't do um, animation in COBOL. So I turned around and used a basic program to generate the screens, and I had probably thousands of COBOL includes and basically a menu would draw down the screen blow up and then you'd have your menu and then it would shrink and then go off the screen and cool. she just looked at that and she was like okay you get your 4.0 <laughs> so so you can do it just use basic to um, make your life easier 
You don't have yeah. to draw it. Just put your characters, your other stuff that you know that are going to be part of your screen as basic statements or something and mm -hmm. move it around. Then take the screenshot and then do it again. Take your screenshot and then you just assemble it in your little video. I thought of uh, maybe um, drawing something up on a PC and then digitize it. Well, I'm pretty sure today there is a program already out there that'll take a graphics image and export it out as ANSI yeah. or whatever. I mean, this it's basically just a low-res display, so the tools available today would probably make that three-and-a-half-minute movie uh, be something somebody could knock off over a lunch break. Wow. Yeah. Possibly. There's been some pretty amazing ANSI graphics. Like I mean, Roger Taylor did some demos of some of the, the yeah. color stuff. And then I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's an actual version of the Star Wars movie done in all text. Like ASCII Wars, with, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like 20 minutes long yeah. with you know text prompts and stuff instead of the actual speech. Yeah, there was a program back in the day that was called The Draw and back in the DOS days. And that's, that's how I did a lot of my ANSI stuff. And that's how I did all the stuff for my Cosmic Aliens game as I drew all the title graphics and things like that in the draw and then just took those and copied and pasted them into my basic code um but i remember doing ANSI for like when you first logged on to your bulletin board you would download the whole animated title screen that was that was like a really cool thing back in the day um the one that roger did was just constantly scrolling though which was pretty cool um but yeah if your friend wants to do something on the commodore i would think that whatever you're doing that represents graphics needs to conform to a common standard too right so probably like text style graphics is probably the best yeah. way to go right mm -hmm. well the commodore had petaski it had its own version of an extended character set with all the different colors so there was mm. ANSI, there was atari had its own commodore had its own so that's where it gets tricky mm -hmm. yeah interesting right yeah, so and just going back to some stuff in the live chat. So Nick Marotta was, was I've got a kick too out of David was saying, you know, basically you could do this in basic, right? So <laughs> Nick was commenting on that too. Uh, James Jones was talking about your COBOL comment, David. He says, silly instructor, I'd never have thought you could write a compiler in COBOL, but Grace Hopper led a team to write a COBOL compiler in COBOL. <laughs> so... Be surprised what you can do. Never never say never, right? Um, all right, have we beat the memory one to death? Do we want to go on to our next topic? We have another candy topic. You can't remember. <laughs> all right, we're going to... we're gonna. Good one. Good one. Good one. Good one. Attack over, Bill. Right. Yes. We are going to do one more commercial break, and we're going to go on to our next Why Did Tandy Do That topic. So we'll be right back, people. Hi, this is Mark Overholzer. And you're listening to Coco Talk, the nation's leading weekly live talk show about the Tandy Color Computer. Utah, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on, drop by our website and download our latest games. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's original gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay goodness. Gameplay goodness. You know, gameplay goodness. All right, people. Gameplay goodness. Thank you so much. You know, gameplay goodness. Yeah. 
You know, gameplay goodness. Are you ready for this? You know, gameplay goodness. Yeah. Gameplay goodness. Are you ready for this? You know, gameplay goodness. Yeah. You know, gameplay goodness. You know, gameplay goodness. This is how we like to do it. That's right, get your share of gameplay goodness today at a YouTube channel near you where you can see all kinds of co color computer gameplay videos, including some of those made by people who are even here in this panel today. Uh, so we're back. Good job, we, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we are on a topic here, which I feel is worth playing again. That topic is called... Tell me why did Tandy do that? Why did Tandy do that? That is the topic of the day. So we have uh, talked about how Tandy has um, confused the hell out of us with how much memory we have or think we have or can use. Uh, you never know. Hey, Paul Thayer's calling in here. And so I think we've probably, I think we can leave the memory topic alone for now. But there was another topic that um, that Nick Morentis wanted to talk about. Nick, so do you want to clue us in on another Confusing thing well, Andy did. Yeah, well, my topic was there only in case Steve wasn't going to make it. So I don't know if he's want to go through with this. So we'll keep. Uh, this you want to save it? We'll save it for we'll save it for we another week. Save, I can just do a really quick, uh, short version of it, so it doesn't take up too much time. Okay. Uh, my mine was uh, more of a a whinge. Uh, I guess about why does, did Tandy do that rather than, you know, like the memory one and such. So if you want to hear a whinge, uh, I can do that. Yep, go for go it. Ahead. Well, my topic was to be about um, the Coco's video outputs, um, and and it's more centered around the Color Computer Three, as uh, the Color Computer Three is uh, unique in that it actually has got. Uh, you can actually display three, um, have three separate mirrored video outputs on the Color Computer 3 running all at once. Um, that's fairly well, unique. Take a look here. Hey. Take a look here. Yeah. I have two. You've got two. Well, right you now. Three. You can have an RGB monitor using yep. the RGB outputs of the uh, Color Computer 3. You can have a composite monitor, as uh, I assume that's what you have on the right there, yep. um, for a composite output. And you can have RF, which is hooking, hooking up uh, a, a color TV or whatever. Um, so you can have all three running at once. Um, I don't know of any other computer of the era that could do that. But they are the same image, though. They're not separate images like on a modern computer where you can have dual video uh, to have two separate items. It, it still is a mirrored display. Now, for some people, uh, some people can't afford an RGB monitor, and an RGB monitor is what gives you the best output. 
uh, it's built in on the Gimme chip to provide a really, well, as high res as possible output and very good colors um, to an RGB display or something that will display the RGB output. Um, composite, though, is a bit different when you're running an NTSC or an American Color Computer 3. It's, um, you would assume that Com the, the, the composite output would look exactly the same as the RGB output, but it doesn't. The colors that are used in RGB mode are different to the colors being used in composite mode and RF. They're, they're both linked together. Actually, there's a good example now. Yeah. Notice, yeah. The, yeah, notice the pink. I mean, look at the RGB and it's, it's not pink. It's meant to be gray. Right. Why did Tandy do that? Why is it different? Um, and I'm not sure what the background is behind the development of the Gimme chip to do that, but I'm just thinking that Tandy added the composite output on the Gimme chip as an afterthought. They designed the Gimme chip to produce RGB video, which is very good, but last minute, Tandy, I read that Tandy turned around and said, well, the Coco is our home computer, really. Not everyone who buys a Coco 3, rather, is going to afford an RGB monitor. We still need to have the Coco 3 being the game's home computer, low-end computer. So they had to cludge in uh, a composite video output on that Gimme chip as well. And uh, the way they did it was a, using a different way of mapping the color. It uses uh, an intensity, I don't know, or the tech talk there, but rather than separate RGB, red, green, blue signals, which is what the RGB does, it used a different system whereby they use the hues and all that. The problem that I have always had as a programmer is that you're right, I, I developed using an RGB monitor and I can make a program look, you know, look good under RGB, but then you switch to a composite so you can see what your game is going to look like on someone's Color Computer 3 who doesn't have an RGB monitor and it's completely wrong. Not only are the colors wrong, but it's also a lot blurrier. The quality of the picture is terrible. Now, coming in Australia, this is a strange thing. In Australia, we have the PAL video system. PAL Color Computer 3s were different to the NTSC Color Computer 3s. I didn't know that back in the 80s. So when I created software on my RGB monitor, they looked the same on composite. The colors were the same. The quality was not as good as our RGB. It was a, a little bit fuzzy, of course, but it was fairly good for composite output, and the colors were the same. I didn't have to do anything else to the program to make it look correct on a composite display. Well, as it turns out, in America, though, where they run the RT NTSC, that was completely wrong. So my games early on didn't have the correct 
um, colors. That's why a lot of um, Color Computer 3 games come up and they ask you um, when they start up, have you got RGB screen or have you got a composite screen? That's so that the program then can change the colors and make it suit for, for the composite palette. Now, I always thought that why did they do that? I mean, no other computer I'm aware of in the Commodores and Ataris had that set. Well, they didn't have RGB for starters, so we, we had the leg up on them. But the thing is, there was none of this two different colour palettes to have to worry about. Why did Tandy do that? And only for the NTSC ones. Why, why couldn't they have made the NTSC colour computers like the power ones the power ones were correct the outputs were the same there was no confusion well later on when i got my um uh, ntsc color computer 3 and i actually saw the problem firsthand between composite and rgb i went and started exploring and uh, i looked at the motherboards and compared the motherboards of a pal based color computer 3 and a NTSC based color computer 3 and they are different um, in, in, in regards to the, how the composite video is generated. Now the Gimme chip um, can produce RGB video and it also produces that NTSC composite. So on an NTSC Color Computer 3, those outputs then go out to the connectors on the computer and you hook up your monitors and away you go. On a PAL computer, the composite output of the GIMI chip is not connected. They don't use it. They purposely do not use the NTSC composite output, of course. What they've done is they've got a daughter board, a second board attached to the motherboard, which picks up the RGB signals, runs it through a, a RGB to composite encoder, and then outputs the composite video output. And because it's being derived from the RGB, the colors are therefore the same. Now, to show, to show that, I'll just switch my video on. I actually do have a PAL motherboard here so that okay. I can show the, um, the daughter board. So I'll just switch it on now. You might want to put me on the big screen there, Steve. Gotcha. Okay, I've switched across. Okay, that's me. I'll take the four eyes off. Now. I can't hear you now. Put your glasses back on. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking the wrong way, Mike. <laughs> now, if I can hold it still in front of the camera, uh, which way is up and down? Bloody thing. Up is towards there, the ceiling. There. Uh, yeah, there I go. That's really upside down. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Up and is down, and down is up. Now, that's a PAL motherboard. It's generally the same as an NTSC one. But if you look at the, where the CPU is, um, hang on, I'll just hold this a bit differently, and I'll try it. Yeah, am I getting it? Yeah, that yeah. there is. The, whoops, I'm doing this, looking at it mirror imaged on the camera. Right there, you got that, it. That's there, the CPU. That's the CPU. Now mm -hmm. it's it's horizontal on an NTSC color computer. That's vertical. Mm -hmm. It's uh, so that it is different in that regard. And what they've done is. 
if I flip the motherboard over, the part that you don't normally see when you look inside a Color Computer 3, if I spin it over and look under the board, see oh. there's a section hanging on the bottom of the, the motherboard? Yeah. An NTC Color Computer does not have that. I'll just angle it up a bit to get a bit more light onto it. Yeah, see it. Um, just trying to get the angles right here because my lighting is not great. No, so there's it. an X board underneath the motherboard. And what that does is to pick up the RGB signals off the main board, sends it through some encoder chips, regenerates composite video, and then sends that back out so you can connect it from the back of the Coco. The encoding of the RGB to PAL is better quality than what the Guinea is generating. So you get a better quality image as well as getting the correct colors. So this is the way I reckon all color computers should have been made and not bothered with the NTSC um, trying to generate or fudge uh, a composite video in the uh, design. Um, yeah. now why did you do that? That's, that's the question. Obviously, it's My, my only guess is that it has something to do with the artifact and colors. That's the only thing I can think of. Yes, well, that, that is true. You, you do not get artifacting under PAL. Um, even, even without this um, without this board, PAL composite does not produce um, does not produce um, NTSC artifacting. Um, the NTSC artifact colors comes comes out because of the nature uh, of NTSC composite video being well being bad. And it relies on that badness to create those erroneous colors. Um, so they're not real colors. They're, they're uh, artifacts from, from, from a bad output. And, and Tandy did that on purpose because they, they did want to have the NTSC output uh, to, to be compatible with the old Color Computer 2 games. Right. But in Australia or anywhere there was a PAL Color Computer, None of those artifact games worked anyway, even even on the Color Computer 2, mm -hmm. uh, 1 and 2. We never got artifacting because PAL doesn't artifact the same way. It has got artifacting, but it's it's an ugly, um, a, a greeny purple stripes. So for years, I always wondered, you know, I saw pictures of uh, Steve Yorg's um, excellent Zaxxon program. Everyone was saying, oh, yeah, this Zaxxon is so spectacular. And when I saw it, and in the other game written in P-Mode 4 that was supposed to have artifact colors, they looked terrible. Uh, it, was, it was better to turn the color down on the TV and watch the game in black and white. And you get that same effect on a Color Computer 3 when you're running RGB. You do not get artifacting on RGB. You, you just get black and white. Um, so, but it would have been nice if, if the, the colors were correct at least, mm -hmm. and they, yeah. um, they, they aren't. So, and then Coda would have been nice to give you that correct color, then programmers wouldn't have to battle with, with uh, two different color sets, which, which weren't exactly the same at all. You had to come with a, you know, to get it as close as you could to the original RGB. So that's my job. Yeah. 
Well, Tim Tim Franklin's asking a question, which I think is a good one. What happens if you type in the CMP command? If you type in, you know, uh, pallet CMP, does that change? Um, no difference on a PAL one. It did not change. Okay. Uh, actually, the the ROMs the ROMs in a uh, PAL Coco three have been modified so the composite throws out the same um, okay. RGB pallet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, artifacting was big in the in the, in North America, as everybody here is saying. Yeah, it's something yeah. We, we we grew to rely on. So that and yeah. it was same on the Apple II as well. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, hey, Paul Thayer, thanks for joining us. If Paul's there. Hey, no problem. I had to come off mute there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No problem. How's everybody doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Um, cool. Yeah, I think the short answer to all these questions is why did Tandy do most of the things they did was I think we already know the answer is just to save money. But we're not looking for the short answer. We're looking for things we can pontificate about here on this program. So, <laughs> Well, I think in the uh, case of this composite. And this one here. Uh, yeah, this is a, a technical explanation of why it's different too. Um, yeah, that is neat. That is neat. Now, um, one of the things that Ed Snyder is going to be doing to address some of that is he's mentioned that he's going to update his RGB uh, to S-Video board. That's going to um, have newer features, including correcting the RGB palette for a composite, um, giving it a cleaner one. So it sounds like Ed's going to be doing what the uh, PAL version did. But I think he yeah. said he's also going to support um, artifacting, too. So uh, that is one of the things that we are now having the benefit of is some people are creating things to improve what we didn't have. Um, Coco 1 and 2 didn't have composite at all, and there are a number of composite solutions for that. Um, you know, we've got VGA solutions now for the Coco 1 and 2 and for the Coco 3. And from there we've got, and Richard's not with us, but now we also have the RGB to SCART, which can be converted to HDMI. Um, so we are, we are able to compensate luckily now and usually somewhat inexpensively uh, some of these shortcomings um, and I agree with you Nick the way RGB looks on an, uh, on a uh, RGB monitor it's it's on uh, the CM8 it's just it's so glorious you know yeah uh, well well there we have it why so, did Tandy do this? That's theme? right. Well, let's let's play that theme music one more time because it's worthy of hearing again. Tell me why did Tandy do that? Yes. So interesting little segment, and we started that segment um, up front because uh, Steve Bjork had limited time. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we're gonna we're gonna back it up, and we're gonna. Uh, go back and talk about uh, maybe um, acquisitions and project updates. And since we have a few people here who are working on projects, maybe we can hear from them what's going on with their projects. And then we'll move on to some feedback and things like that, too. So we will be right back, people. And thank you, Nick. And, and thanks for keeping it short, too, like you promised. Yes, yeah, we're gonna get into floppies in just a second. All right, we'll be back after these words. <laughs> Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Catch all the latest news and information about the Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles? Oh 
talking about the Cocoa Crew Podcast. Dig it each month. Join John, Neil, and Mike as they lay down the latest news and information about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles. Move to interviews, tech segments, and discussions all about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer. Strut your fine self over to www.cococrew.org and start listening today. The Coco Crew Podcast. Keeping it Coco. My fellow Americans, Australians, Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all to help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer 3 that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Coco Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay. Goodness, it is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and Coco nostalgia. So please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer. Thank you very much. All right, my fellow Americans, we're back. And um, we're going a little bit out of order today, but uh, we are going to go around the room and talk about acquisitions and project updates, et cetera, et cetera. So who wants to go first on this one here? I know a number of us mentioned at the top of the show we got a few things that we want to talk about today. Anyone? Anyone? Euler? Okay, how about Lee Patterson? Lee Patterson, our <laughs> guest of honor today. Thanks for raising your hand, too. Very good. Uh, <laughs> Lee Patterson, author of Bouncy Ball. So I have actually been working on uh, another project, um, although it's not for the specifically for the color computer. Um, I've been working on Bouncy Ball Next Generation. Um, I essentially had a craving to play some Bouncy Ball, um, but I also needed to learn how to uh, program on the iPhone and iPad, so I wanted to learn how to program in Swift. Uh, so I figured it was a perfect, perfect time to make a bouncy ball for the uh, Mac and for the iPad and for the iPhone and Apple TV, actually. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. So, yeah, it's actually, it should be hopefully published uh, or submitting to the App Store late next week. I'm hoping, um, for the Apple TV and iOS, and then the um, Mac version will be probably a week or two later. Okay. Yeah, so, um, and uh, shout out to uh, uh, Curtis and Alan for doing some testing for me. Excellent, excellent. Is there something that we can look at? Have you got a link that we can pull up on a YouTube video or your website or anything? Let's see here. You can go to 8bitcoder.com slash bbng. Um, I don't know if I can actually stream a version of me playing it. Um, you should be able to with Shape screen or uh, window sharing. Okay, 8bitcoder.com yeah. slash what now? Uh, 
uh, slash BBNG. Bouncy Ball NG. <clears throat> slash BBNG. Bouncy Ball Next Generation. Okay, I've got it up here. Uh, no, just, yeah, just uh, BBNG. Okay. So we got that there going here. And here's a video here we can click on? Yeah. Unfortunately, that video doesn't have sound. It's okay. Okay, here's the levels. Okay, the levels look just like the Coco, but what you've added yeah. in the background is a um, kind of a parallax scrolling background that we don't have in the Coco version. You got it. So it's a nice fusion of uh, retro looking with a little bit of enhancements because we have this nice little playing field in the background, which looks really good. Oh, the explosions look good. The little <laughs> smiley face there looks good. Bouncy ball, next generation. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah, my goal was... The goal was to make it look the same and uh -huh. play pretty much the same, um, but instead having a little bit more um, a little bit more modern feel to it. So uh -huh. just scrolling, parallax scrolling. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the key features. I wanted to make it feel a little bit newer, but still look the same. Uh, I preserved the old levels, and um, it plays close to the same, except that it's you know the, the fact that it's so much smoother. Um, the ball moves pixel by pixel as opposed to, um, yeah, you know, the bite, uh, the bite boundaries. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, yeah, um, yeah, it, it plays really well. Um, let me see if I can actually share my screen. Okay. I think the irony of all of this is that when you did bouncy ball for the Coco a couple of years ago, it was inspired by a mobile game. So you took a mobile Absolutely. game, you Coco fied a mobile game. And now you're mobilizing your Coco game. So we've come full circle here. So. <laughs> it's like Inception. Awesome, Inception, yeah. uh, <laughs> And for my next trick. <laughs> here we go. Share screen. There. Share. I have to mention it actually works with game controllers on the Apple TV, too. That was one of the things I was testing on it. Yes. I wish I was... <laughs> I wish I was running Nitrous 9. Yep. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and so does my wife. <laughs> uh, All right. So. A game by Lee Patterson. Ooh, look at that. Right, so. Ooh, there's our controller options. So you can't actually use a controller on the, uh, on the Mac. I was. Okay. I actually had a an MFI compatible controller connected to uh, connected to through Bluetooth, and it works great. Absolutely yep. great. The, Nim the Nimbus uh, Steel one works fine on the Apple TV too. Good, good. Yeah, I'm actually using the um, HoryPad Ultimate, so it's a it, it's a good way to do it. Okay, Jim Gary uh, said that Darren Atkinson also did a version of Bouncy Ball for the MC10. So thank you for um, sharing your maps. Yes, he did uh, did a good one. You'll, you'll actually see it linked on the uh, Bounty Ball page as well. Okay. Um, uh, Grant Leedy's asking if there's going to be an Android version of this. No Android, no. Not not in, uh, at least not right away. Okay. It was okay, it's so the, uh, it's written in uh, uh, in Swift. I don't I don't know if there's a Swift available for Android yet. Okay. There's for the PC, isn't there? I thought they made a Windows port of it, or we're in the midst of doing it. What were the red oh, ones sure. again? What did the red ones do, Lee? Uh, they're death. Yeah, you die instantly. 
instant the purple death. ones the purple are kind of doorways, I guess. Oh, the purple ones. That's what I was meant to say. Yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah, the you... purple ones are just. Yeah, those are just breakaways. Okay. Exit is okay. I love. I love how you have like some extra features here of like text popping up on the screen now and everything too. You know. Yeah. Some added things. Yeah, that percentage you of keys do. left up in the corner too is nice and. Yeah. Things that were harder to do on uh, on a Coco, basically SG4 screen. Yeah, exactly. And uh, let me see here. Pick your different levels. Looks like you can, is, there, is there a little bit of shading on the blocks, or is that just taking a while for Skype to show up here? The uh, solid color. A, yeah, you'll actually see uh, around the ball. There's a kind of a light field that you you can sometimes tell. Um, Let's see here. Not really showing up too well. You can you can you can just kind of see the green sort of gets uh, lighter and darker. Okay. Yeah, it kind of pulses. Yeah, also, so I noticed you made the sound when you're hitting the wall versus hitting one of the bricks. Actually, is louder or softer depending which one you're hitting too. Yeah, different uh, different tone. Well, you're not actually getting any sound. Let me see if I can change that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, uh, click on Skype. Share system sound if that's an option. It's on the plus sign. The plus. Here we go. Plus. Audio video settings. Uh, Is there yeah. not a OS 9 version? <laughs> <laughs> That's next. No. <laughs> Actually, it probably could be done, this one. Yeah. Now, is there a timer? Yeah, there is. Now, does the timer affect you negatively? It looks like it's counting down. Uh, it, yeah, on the Skype settings, right next to the plus where you have share screens, right on that same pop-up menu should be share system sound if it's an option. That certainly looks really good. And Lee, you might have to change your input again, too, for your sound because we're actually not hearing you now. We're not hearing you, Lee. Okay, let me try one more thing. Okay. <clears throat> We're doing it live, folks. As Colin say, this was an issue that me and Bruce had when um, we were trying to do screen shares at um, the Mac didn't seem to want to share the Mac doesn't want to share audio, audio through. Okay, mm. could be a Mac thing. Let's I'm see. hearing something now. Maybe. Whoops. Okay. Uh, it should be in Skype. Did you see? Did you see an option in Skype to share system sound from your little plus menu? Uh no. Yeah, that's, it's, then it's probably not going to work. That's okay. We can see it, Open and it's, it's good. Oh, well, yeah. Um, but yeah I'm Microsoft. Uh, <laughs> they did something right. So let me try and show you this level. It's too bad there isn't sound. It's, the sound just really helps. Who's making that sound right now? Somebody making that sound with their mouth? That pop pop sound? <laughs> it <laughs> works, <laughs> actually. 
That sounds nothing like the actual game sound, but... <laughs> no. The promo video, I'll have, uh, I'll have some music. I don't know if I'll have um, uh, sound in the game, but I, I, I'm thinking of having a little playthrough video, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want to like how to get through levels running with that for people. Right, right, right. But I'm finding uh, Swift is quite a good, uh, nice little language. Now, are you using metal in this too, or? Uh, nope, this is a Sprite Kit. Okay. So, it's actually uh, Apple's API, <clears throat> which which is absolutely, I I actually uh, really like it. Um, and in fact, this is this is Swift code here. Wow. Now you had to learn this language. It's a very basic. Yeah, I, I picked it? it up. Um, I I picked it. I was using it a little bit when I wrote a little, uh, little iPhone app, like um, probably like last year, but I only spent uh, um, a few weeks on it, and then I started poking around with it uh, when I started on Bouncy Ball. Um, that was like in uh, September-ish time frame. So it's really not a hard language to learn. Okay. And there's just a ton of stuff you can do. I mean, you can actually get lighting effects, all those... Uh, um, there we go. So this this scrolling is is, is based on hardware. Um, okay. When you actually go into the level, the uh, the lighting here that you can kind of see is uh, based on uh, is handled handled by the system. Okay. Yeah. So you can kind of see. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's like lighting its way through the dark area. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That is neat. Things that would be and hard to do on a cocoa. What's that? Said things that would be hard to do on a cocoa. Yeah, totally. That sounds um, like a challenge, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, um, my next project that I'm working on is going to be using um, the uh, scene kit, which is basically 3D stuff. Okay. So and so far, that's proven to be like totally super easy. So hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. Cool, cool. So, whatever happened to Bouncy Ball Two for the Coco Three? Is that one just on hold right now? Just on hold. Okay. Simon was helping you with yeah, that. I, yeah. me I remember you had some tiles and some of the acid pools and things like that when you were start first started yeah. working on that. And then you started mountain hiking, and we didn't hear from you for like a year. So. He <laughs> <laughs> became a mountain man for a year. So. so yeah. Hiking um, and backpacking, and now that yeah. I'm uh, now that I'm actually not in, not working right now, so. Um, doing some programming and cool. get a and get a few uh, iOS games out and, yeah. uh, and then have one Coco again. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, David's asking, is there a link for it? But you haven't fully submitted it to the App Store yet, right? Uh, no, not not submitted yet. Right. Um, but if you go to but if we go to Eight Bit Coder, we should be able to find it there once it's yeah. once it's ready, right? So if you go to 8bitcoder.com, um, oh. once it's there, we'll find it. Right? And there's there's the guy from Bouncy Ball. Here's your project, right? Bouncy Ball Next Generation. So I really like how the, the graphic icon for the Bouncy Ball character, too, looks exactly like David Ladd except yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's a smile. I'm making a list. I'm making a list. <laughs> Everyone's going to be hurting at Coco Fest. <laughs> like Nixon's enemies list. Yes. 
All right, now how do I turn the screen sharing off again? Um, uh, click on the plus, same plus, and stop sharing screens, I think. That's cool, Lee. Thank you. I'm very, very yeah, cool. Yeah, the plus isn't working. Hmm. There's got to be a way. Yeah, the, click on the plus sign, and then it should be... No, I, my, I stopped the. I clicked on the camera icon to stop the video, and then it's. Well, it's not your camera. It's it's the screen share. Which yeah, is it's the, the little, screen sharing the, the plus little, sign. The little plus sign next to the hang up and everything else. Huh. All right. Hey. Uh, it looks like it's froze. While we're figuring out how to stop screen sharing, we'll roll another commercial. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome to Ron the Garage. This is it. This is the place. This is where you should be. This is where you should tune in because Stevie Stroh has a great show. It's called Coco Talk. What's going on everybody? The Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com. Your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy color computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A. Coconut.com. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Coco forever, people. bravest souls enter, only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. Tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. Yeah, Richard has joined us, and the question is Is somebody chewing gum or are you just clacking on your keyboard? Because, yeah, we hear a lot of click clacking sounds right now. Hey, Richard, how are you? I'm doing good. Richard Lorbieski is here. Mark. <laughs> Someone so, has to carry the torch. Yes, yes. The trolling must continue at any and all costs. Um, okay, so hopefully Lee will call back. Uh, that was neat. That was neat taking a look at Bouncy Ball. Um, uh, we met Lee for the first time at the 25th annual last Chicago Cocoa Fest, which was my first Cocoa Fest. And so Bouncy Ball was one of the new games for the Cocoa. Uh, that year, that along with Farfall and a few others on Cartridge, I think Bomb Squad was new that year too, Farfall and a few of the John Linville programs. Um, so it was neat to have Lee there to meet Lee. Um, we kind of followed the progress of that on Facebook and heard about it on the Coco Crew podcast. And so now we're seeing the next generation. So kind of cool. So thanks, Lee, for showing that off. And uh, I just who got else? a text message from Lee too. He just said he's, his Mac's acting a little bit weird after the Skype thing. So he's just going to reboot and then try to call back. Okay, good. So we had a few other people who had some uh, projects or other things to show off. Uh, Jason, you said you had a world premiere and nobody's seen before? 
This is a world premiere, Coco Talk Live uh, exclusive premiere, and it started. It started with there's this styrofoam parcel that arrived. Oh, okay. And uh, see if we can get that there. You can see it was addressed to Sir Jason Record. Sir Jason Record, yes, Sir Jason. So this the, is the, the this uh, is the premiere. Uh, your full this title is the, the Duke of Douche, right? Uh, I believe that's Nick Marionettes. That's Nick Marionettes. You're just jealous. That's yes. what it is. <laughs> but I, you know, today on Coco Talk Live, I can I can reveal the uh, the chalice of Ooh, bravery. I braved the forest of doom. That looks nice. And, My uh, douche pub is better. Look at that pub. <laughs> look looks at good. that. Look at that tree. That's that's a. It's so gorgeous. That's a, that's a, that's a, hasn't been on Facebook. Hasn't been anywhere. This is this is uh, this is where it's going to be first. And uh, I'm uh, I'll, I'll I'll make sure to bring this to. I'll, if I go to Coco Fest, I'll make sure I bring this to you know okay. to, to drink out of just to just right. to spite everybody <laughs> to rub yes. it in, uh, in all of our faces, especially Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's like the Stanley uh, Cup. Don't don't uh, be surprised if it accidentally gets shite. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm keeping the styrofoam package that it came in. That's the it's it's gonna it's gonna be protected in there. I'm not gonna risk this getting damaged. Nice. It's a nice looking mug. <laughs> and if you think about oh, it, it's it is. It is a, um, it's a nice mug. So the, uh, what the hell's going on here with my phone? Okay. Sorry about that. Telemarketer calling. Yeah, no, it's a good-looking mug. And I think what's cool about this is, for, and we have Bruce with us here, too, the author of Forest of Doom and creator of the contest. But, you know, Forest of Doom um, was a, a, a game that came on a physical book, right? So there was something physical to the game. And not only that, yes. but there was a couple of physical prizes you could win by being one of the first to do things in the game. So that's kind of neat and exclusive in itself. That doesn't happen too often. So cool. What are your thoughts on that, Bruce, seeing that now, seeing the mug out there? Well, it's good to see that it actually happened because, you know, when I first tried to get that mug <clears throat> made for Jason, I got a uh, response back saying, uh, this, uh, this is, we don't have the rights to sell it. This is copywritten material. And I'm like, what? So I, you know, I typed them back. Say, no, 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 no. This tree, this tree here, this is not copywritten. This, I got this public domain. Blah 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 blah. Okay. I get another message back. Say, no, no, it's not that. This is based on the on the book Force of Drew Doom, published in two thousand and five, something or other. Blah blah blah. And so we can't sell it. And it's like, <clears throat> okay. So first of all, you can't copyright the title of a book. Okay. Or a title of a song. So that's just just to be clear about that. And then I sent them links to Lulu and all that. Said, no, this is my look. Here's the this is my book. I wrote this. Right. <laughs> please, you know, please let me. Uh, and then and then they, you know, and I then I sent it again. And then they went, oh, sorry, yes, we'd be happy to, you know. So so that's that's yeah. part of why part of why it it only arrived recently. But okay. there was a chance it wasn't even going to happen. So. I did get resolved, thankfully. Well, I guess you have to admire the fact they are trying to respect copyrights of whoever owns an intellectual property, even though it happened to be yours. Yep. 
if it was some other <laughs> random stranger trying to, you know, pawn off mugs, you'd be glad to know, right? Yeah. So, well, the, well, yeah, that guy would be a real douche. <laughs> <laughs> the great news is that somebody actually read my email and went, oh, oh, okay, right. You know, instead of just getting a general brush off. Which, right, you know, right. Now, that's cool. That's cool. So two of these mugs exist. So Paul Fiscarelli got the first one, which was... They're not the same. They're not the These same. Not That's the right, right. Oh. So the first one says, I was the first person to survive, right? And that was called, which one was that called? The Chalice of... The, the, bravery, the one hug to rule them all, I think. Is yeah. So this one's the Chalice of Bravery that he got? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's neat. Is there going to be mugs for the other levels? <laughs> well, <laughs> is, is the name <laughs> douche copyright? Forest <laughs> 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 of douche. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I'm over. Duke of douche. <clears throat> I got a little something here that goes along with that to share. I'm I'm working on my uh, display for uh, for Coco Talk. Okay. And Coco Fest. Yeah. Coco Fest. And like this is big. <laughs> yeah. That looks I'm good. Hoping I can get this guy to. Uh, you can't miss that. Hanging, yeah, hanging out and hanging over my display to some degree. So. It's so big I can see the pixels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would dress up as a large tree. No, not this time, no. And I've got another project that I'm hoping to have launched by then, which is a little hush-hush at the moment in case it doesn't mm -hmm. work, but... Uh, there are a few of you who know what it's about, and it is, again, something a little um, uh, media-bending in a way. Forest of Doom was sort of a, a media-bender in that you actually bought a book mm -hmm. to get the game. Kind right. of and this, again, is going to be another different kind of, of uh, entertainment, entertaining delivery type thing. So, Okay. Well, okay. Looking forward to that. Out. I'll leave I'll leave it there, but it's uh, it's so far I think it's going to be an awful lot of fun. Excellent, 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 excellent. Cool, cool. Who else has got a project update? We're now when we get into our little tech segment, that'll be a different segment. But as far as acquisitions or, or project updates, anybody else got anything going on? Uh, I sort of have one, but uh, uh, yeah. Uh, last week, uh, Joel, I can't pronounce his, Herbig, um, I, I don't, I don't want to butcher his name, but he offered a bunch of, uh, t-shirts that he had when he was a, uh, former employee at Microware and also t-shirts that he had bought from Cocoa Fest from years gone by. Okay. And he had offered them for, you know, if you pay the shipping, he would ship them to you. But, uh, I had said, well, you know, this would be a great item. Uh, to donate to Coco Fest, so he shipped all of them to me. I didn't realize how many shirts that he has. I mean, there's wow. a lot of them, and we're talking about ones from back in the '90s and a uh, couple from 2000 Coco Fest. So um, I'll try. You know, I'm I'm still trying to sort through them, and uh, I'll take pictures of of all of them and uh, share them uh, because those are these are like really good items that would be good for the uh, auction oh neat for coco fest neat neat well thanks for doing that yeah i remember seeing some of those pictures that's cool 
Um, Jim Gary's mentioning the 10 liner basic programming contest that's going on right now. Uh, anybody else working on that are going to come up with a, an entry for that? Alan? Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, that there was really a specific neat. category. Yeah, there was a category in there that was mentioned on Facebook, which is what got me interested. There's kind of an anything goes category, which can be whatever you want, as long as it can be typed in to 10 lines of basic, which started me down a rabbit hole to see how much assembly code could be loaded in, <laughs> in data statements. So it'd be interesting to see what could be done there and then talk to Simon or something and see if we could have some little micro demo that could actually get some attention. And that would be neat. Yeah. Get a hard it, count of the number of bytes you can get in there. Yeah. James Jones says, I don't have a project as such, but I did get a cocoa on a chip this past Monday. It's an amazing device. Uh, says Roger Taylor does very good work indeed, which I think we can all agree. Um, He's a genius. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's been there's been some new developments with it the last uh, week or so with how it uh, interfaces with some of these other pieces of hardware that are built into it. Like talking to the Wi-Fi chip, or yeah, talking to the SD uh, the, card directly, and yeah. So so um, all these uh, images he's doing are him telnetting from that little cocoa on a chip. And the good news about that is we're going to be able to have the same module hooked up to a physical color computer. So I'm, I'm hoping to um, be showing that off at the Cocoa Fest for anybody that's interested. Um, and it looks like somebody could just put one together if they've got a serial port available and a cable. It looks like you could build one for like $15. Hmm. Wow. Nice. So we'll have two good uh, ANSI viewing uh, terminal programs in because I think he had his own he made that he never released before. And then there's Twilight Terminal by Sockmaster too that both can handle the full color ANSI graphics. Yeah, here let me uh, let me update on something that we talked about uh, a year ago when these Coco Talks were getting started. At that time, I uh, was showing off a um, prototype for basically the sound chip people were using, um, and I was going to plug it up through a serial port. So you could just uh, send bytes to it from the Bitbanger printer port on a color computer and make it just turn on a tone or play a, a little musical riff or whatever. So this is the prototype. It's got a serial port and a little Arduino-type computer under this glob of wires. The wires are actually all going to the little tiny um, sound chip that's on it, and that's the sound chip that's in um, the uh, upcoming game cartridges that John Linville's working on. Well, things have gotten a lot cheaper since then. The uh, Wi-Fi chip that is being used in everything. I've got a, uh, a very dirt-cheap 3D printer behind me, and it has one of these little Wi-Fi chips on it, but you can also run code on it. So it's got a little color display and all the Wi-Fi and everything. That's all running off of the Wi-Fi chip. It has memory. It has flash storage for programs. So they're like a few dollars. They're like two bucks. They're cheaper than an Arduino. So I was thinking that maybe what I'll do is save some money, and instead of have my uh, uh, serial sound device based on an Arduino, I'll use a cheaper part so you'll have sound and Wi-Fi and maybe Bluetooth, too, if you want it, since it's actually cheaper to do it that way now. And that was really, that could have been done a year ago. I just didn't understand what these chips could do. This is where you say, cool. 
<laughs> yeah, whoever's crunching, awesome. whoever's crunching on the food there, please mute your microphone. Um, no, that is really cool. And so, um, I, yeah, I do remember we talked about this a while ago. Before we even started Coco Talk, um, we did a little interview with you and John Strong about some projects that were in the works. And that's when we talked about Handy Andy and Dr. Coco and how you were going to be making some music for them and how he had prototyped also a sound chip and things like that. So uh, will we see any of this music or hear any of this music possibly by Coco Fest, even if it's not finalized, but maybe some demos? Oh, yeah, I, I really think so. Um, in fact, what's really fun about this is I'm, I can solder wires and I can make like a serial cable, but that's about the extent of my skills. But I can plug a little wire into another little wire with the pins on it. So this is going to be a project for somebody who wants to just wire it up. You'll be able to order, you know, from Amazon everything but the little sound chip and just plug it into a little board, run a bunch of wires in the right little spot, and then hook it up to a color computer and have your own thing without even having to, uh, uh, you know, fire up a soldering iron. Um, and then, of course, the idea would be to have somebody produce it as... Uh, board where everything just plugs in all nice and neat and we can put it in a little enclosure but the, these parts are all off the shelf and um, it's surprisingly it's surprisingly simple to do I, I was uh, playing with this stuff uh, the last couple of weeks and um, I'm actually feeding things off of different chips now but you know for 10-15 bucks you'll be able to plug something up to the bit banger part of a color computer one run Greggy term or some other program and then telnet to a bbs or retrieve a file across the internet uh it's 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 pretty uh pretty fun it's pretty neat yeah yeah and that kind of alleviates the need for drive wire not that drive wire is a bad thing but if this is a simple solution that doesn't require complex configurations that's all the better well and and that's kind of the thing is you know drive wire solves a different problem it solves a problem of how do you load files without having a hard drive or a floppy drive hooked up. And, you know, if you have a Coco SDC, that's really cheap. Uh, you know, then that becomes your drive wire, but it's still easier. And there's a lot of other features of drive wire, you know, the music and the Internet and things like that. Um, but you know, my computer is across the room and I don't run cables back and forth. Uh, we also have been finding out that uh, there's a, a chip for a few dollars more that adds Bluetooth, so maybe uh, it would be possible to make a transparent link so you could just plug one of these things into the back of a color computer and talk Bluetooth to drive wire so you don't have to actually run a cable across your room. So mm -hmm. there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of potential here. It's cheap. These are being used by projects everywhere, tons of information online, and you know you can buy them from Amazon or you can get them for just a few dollars if you're willing to wait a few weeks from China. Right, right. I like That's lazy. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> I love lazy. <laughs> that is very, very cool. Cool. Is there going to be native OS 9 support for uh, the sound chip? Yeah, it's already built in. It's called your T2 or your T1 port. Because it's just it's just serial. It's just a serial driver, yeah. So serial drivers are yeah. Ready. So what ready. somebody would have to do is write a kernel extension that just traps that tone command and sends it out as a signal, and it won't let you do any more than what the tone command built into OS 9 does. But anything that uses it could be made to use 
this, but you know, most programs that use that don't understand that the tone's going to play in the background. So uh, it doesn't really help us. It'd be doing the same thing because the program would issue the system call, play this note for three seconds, and it would wait for three seconds. So it would take special software to understand you can go do other things now. Yeah, actually, uh, John Strong and I were talking about that last year at the Fest, and we're trying to come up with some ways to maintain compatibility with the existing sound so that, you know, if you have a Basic 9 game that's dependent on it pausing during a certain sound or plays too fast, that you'll be able to do that, or you'll be able to do it and tell it, you know, no, in this case, I want it to go in the background. So if you had, say, something like Rescue and Fractalist or something like that that requires a lot of CPU time drawing all the 3D graphics, you could tell it, no, you go send the sound off, I'm going to go right back to the graphics to speed the game up. So we're trying to come up with some system call ways to make it compatible both ways. Hmm. Okay. Sounds cool. But a sound option. You know, it's funny. You um, you you, you were commenting, Alan, on uh, you had caught up. I guess it was episode thirty. That was community drama, and you were asking what was the drama about that week. And um, I'm trying to remember. Even I remember one of the dramas was basically, you know, this person's had a sound card. This person had a sound card, and now that we're posting them on Facebook. One person's getting offended by the other person. I think that kind of uh, maybe overinflated the, uh, you know, the severity of what it needed to be. But it was it was the drama du jour that day on Facebook. Um, and I think the other one that had happened too, right around the same time, was um, when I had suggested the forum, which is still out there for anybody who wants to use it, tandyforum.org. And was this kind of uh, I, I felt it was a I was a little bit. I want to say overwhelmed, but just, I don't know. There seemed to be a big, large negative backlash about somebody proposing a, a new resource and how it's, you know, it's going to be the end of the community and dividing the community and all these other things. And so those were the dramas that happened around that week of, um, of Coco Talk, which was, gosh, you know, 14 weeks ago at this point. Um, it was clear listening to it that everybody in the conversation knew this, but 36 minutes in, nobody had actually said what you guys were talking about. So I was very confused. And then, yeah. then it became clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, if you, if you think about it, I, I don't know that we've had... That was probably the first time we've had drama in, you know, 30 weeks of doing Coco Talk, which was six months, and now it's been another, you know... We haven't had that much drama. <laughs> Are we overdue for, <laughs> for something? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, every now so and then it long, happens. How long before, how long before um, my Color Computer 3 can... Uh, print a cup that's a nice looking mug hold, hold that up again for a second mm -hmm. Ron. that is a great looking how long mug how long before the coco 3 can uh print a cup you know uh, you know printer. you could do that right now ron because can there you? is uh uh the fr friends of mine they they do the printing and they have special type of paper that runs through an inkjet printer and then it goes into a little thing that presses it against the cup and molds and the ink comes off so it's basically like a, a t-shirt transfer that bakes it onto the mug so ah. you could probably do that using coco max and uh some type of uh color printer that it supports although i i don't know it probably requires a special inkjet these days our dot matrixes probably wouldn't wouldn't work well with any of the new paper i would imagine well i was thinking of an actual 3d printer thing 3d printed mug yeah. Oh, you mean um, actually print the mug? Yeah, wow, like the machine behind you, you know, have a yeah. color computer 3 run it. Well, you know, there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't because it's just a text file. 
these printers just take a text file and then they they work autonomously. Um, but I think the CAD software we had back in the eighties was probably not as complex. Gee, <laughs> probably. So that's pretty cool. That's the stuff coming up in the future, you know. Three D printing. Yeah, I could do. Yeah, I saw a little meme on Facebook or something that says, "Step one: get three D printer. Step two: print." 3D printer. Step three, return 3D printer to store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Almost, it's almost to the point where we can make the things that make the things, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's another Inception thing. Yeah. That's cool. I, uh, I read a, a sci-fi story that was essentially about, uh, you know, that, that very thing happening. Uh 3D printers, devices making themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't put a special um, something in there to prevent it from uh, duplicating itself too many times, essentially it would destroy the universe. <laughs> it, would, it, would just, it would just keep <clears throat> going, absorbing all the elements of the universe, recreating itself until everything was gone. So, so we should look out for that. Yes, yes. Self-replicating things, right? So... <laughs> what, what, is, what is Richard saying here in the chat that he can't say uh, on the thing? You, you are totally becoming Jim Brain, where you're in the call, but you're trolling us in chat here, Richard. So Jim would be proud. Right? So I'm building a cocoa cup holder, plugs into the cartridge port, complete with blinky LEDs. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a cup holder in our, in our PC towers, right? You just ejected your CD-ROM tray, and you could put a drink right there. So. Well, Coco had CD-ROMs, too, so that, yeah. that could make sense there. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so he, he says, I'm going to print $20 bills with the 3D printer. It's going to probably cost about $40 in materials to print the uh, $20 bills. <laughs> <laughs> and money well spent, too, I might add. <laughs> and they won't look that good when they're yes, done. Yes, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm losing my shirt here, but I'll make it up in volume. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my Lord. We are going to jump the train here. We've already jumped the shark. We're about ready to jump the rails. Um, speaking of jump the rails, is anybody up for a drunken fest again tonight later on? A um, after dark Coco Talk? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I won't complete. be able to today. I've actually got to do, do some tech support this evening. Ah, I got. I have but we'll include that nice jingle of the I, 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 I. <laughs> <laughs> John Linville says Possibly. use in injection molding for the cup holders. All right. So he says if you use injection molding in your cup holders, you'll be much happier. So <laughs> the king of injection molding has arrived. So um, anybody else have any uh, project updates? And we're going to go on to feedback. We all I was going to mention, like, there was a couple that I'd mentioned in the chat in Discord this morning. There was a couple of um, you know, updates on some game stuff. Um, Paul's actually here to talk about, I guess... Some of the screenshots he put up in Facebook, and then also Glenn Hewlett's um, update to Defender. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, I mean, Curtis. I can talk about that briefly if you guys want. Sure, go ahead. I mean, Paul. Kurt, Curtis has something, don't you? Still? I do. You did. did. You said you have something for the tech segment. Yeah, that's for the the Grounds Garage thing. That's not for the general project oh, okay. thing. All right. Oh yeah. Is that a um, is that update on OS9 by any chance? Pardon me. Is that an update for OS 9 in the tech segment you're going to talk about? Nope. No, it's a piece of hardware. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Paul. Oh, that's no problem. Uh, I wasn't planning on talking anyway, so no big deal. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I guess I put some uh, tiles up there. I've been bouncing around different project ideas for a while. Um, I'm actually kind of working on more than one at, at a time here. Um, you have a, a title for the game or anything yet, or? I posted the title for it. Uh, it's got a really generic name. Um, there's like a little bit of a story behind behind it. There's a, a lot of comedy to what my what myself and my son do when we come up with game ideas. We like to add uh, kind of like British humor to it. I would say because it's kind of dry, like uh, you know Monty Python is. Um, hey. But the the name of the game is uh, Buff Commando, and uh, <laughs> it's a it's kind of a blend between um, Contra and Double Dragon series. Um, if you guys remember, you're breaking up on us a little bit. He's used that word. Okay, maybe I'm just talking too loud. <laughs> okay, you're back. You're back. All right, cool. So. The reason we went with Buff Commando is we're kind of trying to make fun of a little bit of like the 80s action shows or whatever. Um, we didn't want to give him a specific name. Um, we kind of wanted him to be a little bit stupid. Um, he looks <laughs> a li he's like a long-haired... He kind of looks like Rambo, I guess, a little bit. He's got long black hair. He's not really all that buff because uh, 16 by 16 pixels. Um... And there's really no story to the game. He just uh, he's he's shooting people for no reason whatsoever. Okay. Um, I mean, like there's why? a bad guy or whatever, but there's not really any like story behind it. Um, not a Las Vegas shooter or anything, right? No, no, not like that. Not, <laughs> no, 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 no. He's he's going against a bad guy who's trying to take over the world, but there's not like any backstory of where they came from or any of that stuff. Um, and uh, we have 12 levels planned. Um, we wanted to do, so four zones of three levels each. I wanted to try and make the game about, if like you do like a quick play, like you're a master of it, uh, 45 minutes in length. Um, if you guys want to see some source material that I've been like kind of researching to base the game on, um, yes. you can watch... YouTube video playthroughs of Double Dragon 2. Um, and also you can play online. He's gone again. We're losing you again Ooh. there, Paul. Am I gone? You're, back. Nope, you're uh, back. That's weird. I don't know why that keeps cutting out. <clears throat> um, but you can play a version of a PC game that um, is inspiring. this called Duke Nukem 2. You guys might be familiar with uh, Duke Nukem. Mm -hmm. um, the first two were side-scrollers. Uh, the second one I love a lot. It's a really fun game. Um, and then also you can like watch YouTube videos of Double Dragon 2. So um, there's going to be some switching between like um, side-scrolling to uh, horizontal scrolling in both and and things like that. We had a lot of a lot of ambitious plans and. Right now, I'm just trying to figure out how we're going to execute all of them. Okay. Like um, the bricks. Bricks are nice. Thank, yeah. yeah thank I had you. The, I had the tiles up on the screen while you were talking from your Facebook post. Oh, cool. Simon and I have been talking about um, tile encoding 
Um, Nick has a really good segment of that on his Popstar Pilot blog, which is back up, which is excellent. Mm. Um, You know, I want to try and make some pretty large levels. So um, having a single byte represent a different tile number, um, you know, that's going to take a lot of memory. So we're trying to see how we can compress that. Um, and one, th- one idea that we came up with is we'll do, so like, I think it was four bytes or no, it was three bytes would rec- rec- resemble like a four, um, four grid space, uh, vertical column. And so six bits would give you a tile ID number. So you have a possibility of 64 tiles. And then um, every six bits, that's a Y offset from, so like 0, 16, 32, and then uh, what is the next, 48. Um, so we're just we're just trying to figure that stuff out right now. It's kind of complicated sometimes and gives me a headache, but <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah. And trying to figure out how I want to set the screen up, too, if I want to um, do something like Popstar Pilot does with like... Uh, you got the whole screen is kind of your play field, but there's like small sections on the top or bottom with stats. Or if I want to do uh, the gameplay is actually like in a window um, with stuff on the side and the tops and the bottoms. So it's really a lot of decision making right now, um, as well as expressing some graphical ideas. So Nate. that's where I'm at. Nate, well, yeah. it looks cool. Look, cool. Your assets are looking good. Your characters, your, yeah. your backgrounds and everything, so yeah. I mentioned something on Facebook the other day about trying to get a dev team together too and like, I'd really, that's something I'd really like to do um, in the future for sure, because uh, we've all seen like what everybody's avail- uh, capable of individually and I think if we did like a team of six to eight to make a game, we'd have something really exceptional, because you got people who are talented in mm-hmm. graphics and obviously programming and music and things like that. Yeah. And to be honest, it can be a little overwhelming as a, a single person trying to implement all of those. And especially like if you're not talented in any of the areas. <laughs> so <laughs> I just think it'd be cool. I mean, a lot of the best yeah. games that I've ever played, you know, you get the team and everything and, mm-hmm. and it's way better than you could do by yourself. So yeah. Yeah. Just for thought, everybody. So yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Because you got some people who are just good at optimizing the code. You got some people who are good at certain routines, and others that are good artistically or musically or audibly. So you could take, you know, put together the dream team. Or even designing right? levels and designing the gameplay itself. I mean, some yeah. people that aren't programmers might have some good ideas to kick in too. Yeah. Right, exactly. And and like I excel obviously with graphics and and level design is something that I'm good at too. But programming takes me forever. And but that's okay. I mean. I enjoy learning it, and I and I do enjoy doing it. But I just think that if we get a team, we could make something real kick ass, and that'd be really cool. <laughs> so that's right. it. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Very. And to very be honest, cool. some of the great Coco games have been done by more than one person. Like you look at the Harry Lafnir and uh, Timothy Purves, like Time Bandit and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not unprecedented. I've never seen that game actually. Time Bandit, you said? Yeah, by. Computer Shack slash Mictron. Hmm. I've never seen that game before. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. It's a gooder. 
<laughs> so Rich, Richard had an idea for a game. I don't know if Richard, you want to share this one yourself? Um, yeah, I think uh, we should get some Apple zealots to to kidnap Steve York and uh, Rick Adams and uh, take them to the thirteenth floor of the Tangy Tower and make them develop MC10 games. <laughs> and your mission is to to go into the Tangy Towers and rescue them and to. Uh, Help them develop the Coco Four, you know, something like that. <laughs> the deluxe Coco. The deluxe color computer. That sounds good. That sounds like a, a sequel to Gate Crashers, right? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, um, you, Ron, you want to do your segment next? Ron's yeah, garage. We'll throw it up, and I'll just screen okay. share a little bit. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with Ron's garage and a little tech segment here. Be right back, people. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. Thank you. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. All right, everybody. We are back on Coco Talk, and we are with the man, the myth, the legend, but we're here with Ron Delvaux and Ron's Garage, the uh, best segment to hit the internet since the internet itself. So, on that note, take it away, Ron Delvaux. Awesome Oops. music, isn't it? <laughs> awesome music, for sure, sir. Hey, you can put that back up. <clears throat> oh, the, uh, the internet? Yeah, you've had my... Uh... Ron's Garage on there, didn't you? I had no. no that yes. was you. No. Well, that's you. But I could go over to Ron's Garage. I can. I can switch yeah. over to the internet. Yeah. Let's do that, and then I won't have to screen share. Okay. And then uh, go down to the WeFax thing and play that uh, WeFax thing. That's pretty cool. Have you guys ever uh, played with WeFax much? The WeatherFax. Once program? way back in the day, back in the mid '80s, but. Yeah, uh, show show it in action on. Uh, I love this picture video. here, by the way. The picture you did scanning oh, yeah. the uh, scanning yep. the program that, pack. That, that, yeah. that is math cool. bingo, by the way. I did figure. Is it? Out. Yeah. It yeah. looks like all the icons on my desktop. <laughs> 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 yeah, that looks really neat. That yeah, it came really out cool. Neat. Yeah. All right, let's get out of there. All right, so we're looking for the Wii Fax posting. Here's your yeah, pictures down, of uh, right. Rainbow Fest '84. Is this it here? Yep. Yep. Yep, that's it right there. Oops, let's make it, um, it, it, it. It's loud. The idea is to tune that within two bars. Okay. Once you have it tuned in, you hear the clicking. Click, click. Yeah, I see the pictures. Um, yeah. yeah, you have to have a lot of patience because it takes a while. That thing comes all the way in. Line by line, yeah, building a screen, and it's a, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where you let it go for a while, and you go have a sandwich, you know, <laughs> or a bathroom, 
whatever, and you come back and a whole whole page comes in, and then it kind of jumps, and then you see all the, um, there's like uh, one, two, three, four, I think there's six pages that makes up the whole view, even though you're, uh, anyway. There's the radio that you're getting it from, huh? Wow. Yeah, it, it's, uh, reception is horrible because all the computers around makes RF noise everywhere. So if, if we fast forward through here, what are we going to see here? So basically, um, we got even more. Well, actually, you could stop it and then you just scroll down to the successful two, um, okay. two, two screens that are, uh, results of okay so from it. here here's yeah. one of your here's one of your pictures that you downloaded okay so this is yeah, actually like a weather map right yeah you can actually read what it says you just turn sideways a little bit but um pacific really cool it, i can't what does that, that say that's a uh, main in new york you know area on the left and then the uh, great lakes on the right it's just one of the small frames of uh picture you can download it's really cool it's really really <laughs> neat stuff Sometimes you can get actual uh, picture of the Earth, you know, a satellite view. Ah, neat. And you can see see the lines of uh, states and stuff. So it's like anyways, now Google Earth for the cocoa. Right. Now you can scroll yep. up a little. And, uh, yeah, that that there is a guitar. You can scroll down if you want. That that's okay. uh, I found a program called uh, Guitar Chord Course, which right. is really cool. I showed it to my son. He plays guitar. And he goes, yeah. does it play the chords? I go, no, it does not. But it does the um, record. It does flats and sharps. It shows you how to put your fingers on the frets. Okay, so it's kind of showing you some tablature. Here. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. That is. It has bar chord and uh, just a finger chord. I play very little guitar. I used to play when I was 18. That's neat. Yeah, it's a cool little program. It was on uh, Hot Cocoa, I think. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna copy and paste a link to Ron's Garage into the live chat right now. So if, if anybody's not already um, following Ron's Garage on Facebook, um, yeah, you always got a lot of good stuff in here. Um, the Wee Facts, which we've seen, there were some really good pictures you posted here from Cocoa Fest. There's Steve Bjork yeah. himself right there, right? Yeah. That's from uh, the last. Um, Coco talk we talk i show them real quick yeah um yeah there he is in his prime <laughs> dark hair <laughs> oh we were asking the question who is this guy looking the other way and we didn't know or did we have somebody somebody had a theory on who the guy in the hat was if i recall so. yeah, yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah and okay, then there's so lonnie at the table and there's back. um steve again yeah lonnie and um dale puckett on the left dale puckett yeah Okay, Steve's here talking. Yeah. 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 Yeah, a lot of good pictures on the Ronge Garage Facebook uh, group, so make sure you yeah. check that out. Well, so uh, I took pictures of uh, uh, computers and, and posted them. That's using um, Roger Taylor's the projector. It's an awesome program, and it doesn't matter what size your pictures are, which is cool, unlike the high-color one that um, you guys were telling me about. But... Um, you know, you look at that, it looks like a photograph almost. Yeah. Almost. And that's on, a that's on a Coco 3? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Roger yeah, Taylor, the guy who does Cocoa on the Chip, wrote a program called The Projector He Sold years back at the Cocoa Fest, and it views a whole ton of different formats. Yeah. That's neat. GIFs and BMPs and everything else. So, Yeah, so I take a um, WinImage tool, and um, first I have to take a photograph that I like and shrink it down. There's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I shrink it down to the size I like, then I'm able to um, import it into a DSK image and then... Uh, Put it up on my uh, chip, put it on the cocoa, and show it. It's a little bit of work, but um, you know, I want to at least have. I enjoy doing stuff like this. This is what I enjoy. I, I don't do programming or anything, but I love to um, do stuff that uh, you wouldn't think you could do. For years, when we had the cocoa, it was always block blocky graphics, you know, um, stick figures and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And then to actually see a picture that you know, looks like a picture, it's just kind of amazing to me. I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey. So I also have been drawing and putting stuff up on uh, whatever I show a picture or whatever on uh, Ron's Garage, I usually put the uh, file up in the file section. So you guys can download it and play with the pictures and do what you want with them, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. Very cool. Simon's just joined us. Hey, welcome to the program, Simon. I'm probably way up the dunk. <laughs> Alright. Very cool. Does that conclude? Do you want me to throw in my little hardware segment too? Or? Yeah, yeah, do it. Here, jump in. Okay. What you got? So this is the manual, which will kind of identify what it is. Eliminator high speed cocoa hard drive kit hard instructions drive from Frank Hogg Laboratories. Yep. Designed uh, okay. by Bruce Eisted, a fellow Canadian from Alberta. Hey. So this was the hardware card. It was called the Eliminator because it was, for an OS 9 user, supposed to eliminate the need for multi-pack because it came with a ton of hardware built into it. So this is the actual thing here. So it's got ports on the sides, both sides of the cartridge. It's actually a metal case. So on uh, like this side here, you've got some jumpers, which is a small bank there, and that's for uh, setting stuff like addresses for serial ports and parallel ports, whether you want the auto-boot ROM turned on or off, etc., also, the parallel port for the printer. Standard connector here goes to a WD-1002-05 uh, controller, which can control up to three hard drives and four floppy drives, all in no halt. And it had a little daughter board optional extra. You could actually do high-density floppy drives, too, just to interest David Ladd in it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then it had, on this side, two serial ports. Uh, now, it used a double-header connector, so it had one or two little cables that came off to a standard RS-232 connector because he wanted to save the space. But it's basically two 38.4 kilobaud serial ports that came on it too. It also featured an auto-boot ROM chip and a uh, real-time clock. And I've actually taken the screws out so I can kind of show you the inside. So when you plug it into the cocoa, does it actually dim the lights? <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's actually pretty low power, but uh, we actually at work ran this in the multi-pack because this wasn't enough ports for us. But for, for a normal person, it would have been fine. But this so, is what Bill and I ran our what ticketing. What's on there? Stuff. The uh, eliminator multifunction board um, distributed by F FHL, made in Canada by Mattis, which I believe this company Bruce Eisen worked for at the time. And on the top right it here. says it's 1989. This is the version 2.1. Uh, version of the board. There was a couple of revisions that came out, but uh, is this something you had or imported just recently? No, we we ran our work off this for over ten years. Like we ran oh. eight terminals and three printers simultaneously off one Coco. 
Wow. And this was this was the main hub of it. This is where our two hard drives and our no hold floppy drives were running off of this one one card. So where did that run back in the day? Pardon me? Where did that run back in the day? Well, Frank sold it as a separate board, and I think it was 129, if I remember correctly. And then he also sold it in kits where you get the hard drives and the power supplies and hard drive cases and stuff too, or floppies or whatever else. So you could do, um, you know, whichever way you wanted to buy it. If you had your own hard drives you want to supply, you could. But it would control up to four 1.44 meg floppy drives at once and three 120 meg hard drives at once. Plus two serial ports, plus a parallel port, plus a real-time clock. Plus the auto-boot ROM, you could tell it to boot off of any one of the seven devices you had hooked up. So any floppy, any hard drive, you just set the jumper and it would boot off that. And then they was also there a, a front-end program written for it? Well, it's it meant for OS 9. I mean, it wasn't an RS-DOS compatible. You did have the option to kick back into BASIC, but there was no disk BASIC ROM. Because uh, it was quite incompatible hardware as far as disk BASIC was concerned. But OS 9 being a driver-modeled operating system, you just substituted hard drive drivers and clock drivers and floppy drivers and serial port drivers and parallel so port it's drivers. transparent yeah once so once you had it running up and running in OS 9 you you didn't know any different from running a Burke and Burke or running a distro or whatever else and once you wow. manually reconfigure the entire operating system it's completely plug and play <laughs> actually the funny thing is you included utility specifically to make that easy so <laughs> the, stuff you just tell it you know, replace this and the way it went OS 9 for the win <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful system and if you did not want a multi-pack cluttering up your desk but you wanted hard drives and you know floppies and and serial ports like real serial ports and these are the 6552 serial ports that we've just talked about in discord these do not have the bugs the 6551 had this was a complete fixed hardware flow control worked perfectly fine and i know when we were doing tests i think we had the driver running without any major hacks to it i think we were sustaining about 23 or 24 kilobits per second hmm. so we were past the 19.2 already that the rs232 pack normally supplied and there were some optional things we were planning on doing it to it later we never got to to actually speed it up even more than that Oh, yeah, there's there's an new, interesting site to join. A new Facebook group dedicated to the uh, 6847 VDG. Is this going to divide the community, I wonder? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so don't stop, don't stop, man, all, all the, the Cocoa Free users. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Curtis, because I have the Facebook group open, the Cocoa group, I happen to notice now that episode 32 of the Cocoa Crew podcast has now been published. And there's an interview with L. Curtis Boyle on the latest episode of Coco Crew. So congratulations, sir. Yep, it was, it was a fun interview. Yeah. So I didn't uh, diss you too much. So. <laughs> 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 I'm going to have to fast forward to the good part now just to get to that. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll see yeah. how much they cut out. <laughs> Is that now Sir L. Curtis Boyle? Sir, that yeah. sir Curtis sir. Boyle. That yeah, could yes. be. Yeah. I don't know. Very cool. Uh, so that's sure, a neat product, uh, and that you said that sold for about one twenty nine when it was new. Yeah, that's not bad if you think about it. It's a floppy controller, a hard drive controller, no halt, real time so clock, nineteen eighty, serial, nineteen eighty, two serial ports, parallel port. Yeah, yeah. Eighties money was a, was a lot more money than you're thinking, though. But for that time period, I mean, uh, it yeah, it that's did cheap a lot. for everything you got. Yeah, for everything you, you got to, buy, to get the equivalent, you had to buy two RS two thirty two packs. Yeah, yeah. And Disto Super Controller two, 
and a hard drive like a Burke and Burke all at the same time. And you'd have to buy a multi-pack to fit them all in the slots to run them all. Whereas this just took the one slot and you were up and running. You run yeah, a two terminal system with way, the printer. It's great. Yeah, yeah. definitely. In- instead of the Sir, we just call him Duchess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah, he's yeah. the Duke of Boyle. The Duke of Boyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Boyle Castle in Ireland. That actually, my my family going way back apparently still has connections with or owns or something. But really? yeah, yeah. Uh, you just owe money on it, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I tried to go see it, and they said, "Well, you're Canadian, so we're not letting you in." So, huh. <laughs> wow. Hey, <laughs> Simon. Yeah, what's up, uh, Simon? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm on with Jack Jones today. Well, welcome, so, Jack Jones. Jack Jones. That's a, that's a UK slang for on my own. Okay, you want me to pull up the video of your latest uh, demo? Uh, you can do that, but it's only he's, it's only something in progress. Okay, he's he, he's looking like the Marlboro Man here. Yeah, right. <laughs> I am the Marlboro Man. I'm, so, I'm the guy from X Files. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the smoking oh, man, yes. right? Yeah. Let's let's start the whole video over again. Well. It, it's going to loop in a second, right? Yeah. All right, let's play it again. Here's Simon's latest little dem- demo here. The musical candy cane in space. D&D 6. It's far from done. And this is three voice music, if I remember correctly, correct? It's three, but it could be four. It's free, but it could be full. Mo, Larry, and Curly. <laughs> um, and the CPUs did everything because um, you see, you see the red, the red transitioning to white. Mm-hmm. That's palette shifts. Um, but the other stuff is being plotted real time. And it's okay. 160, 160 pixels wide. Okay. That's been plotted real time. And and I think you might, I don't know if all of you know who this is, but <clears throat> I think Curtis might know who this is. Um, we got Remy back in the loop. Oh, really? Yes, we dug Remy out of the archives, right, to make this demo for the Coco Free. Cool, because uh, that 3D uh, texture mapping demo he did is, is amazing. And plus he had that Mario demo from Ember 2. Exactly. And and me and the guys who are doing this Coco Free demo dug him out of the attic. Neat. <laughs> so is he coming back like fully or is he just helping you with this and then kind of disappearing again? He's helping with this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to like push him a little bit. Push him a little bit. You know, so. But he's helping with this right now. So Remy's in the loop. Neat. That's cool, and I think uh, I think uh, Nick Rinses will approve of that as well. <laughs> Do we have your approval, Nick? Oh yes, I was. 
just working <laughs> on something else. <laughs> no, that'd be great. Remy's uh, very talented as well, so be good to go. see him back. So we got him. We got him back in the loop for this demo. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Has he well, got a? Did you want to show? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, just wondering, has he got a Coco uh, at the moment still? Or yes, he's got a Coco free one twenty eight k. Oh, one twenty eight. Yeah, he's still got the one twenty eight, and he's tested because I I, I passed this backwards and forwards with him. Uh, we've been working on this together, and there's a little bit of sock master in the mix. It's just kind of like, okay, you can do that, you can do that, you can do that. But uh, both me, Remy, and Sock are in this together, and um, I've also got a whole crew together to do graphics and sounds. So Indeed. it's a total demo crew. Cool. Nice. Finally, I'm not on my own. Yeah. So, Except right now you are. <laughs> so the goal is to create demos or to create games or? Well, for now it's a demo, which is like push the limits. But taking what we make out of pushing limits, we can put that into any situation we want to. Yeah, because Remy had a couple of engines that actually were kind of designed for games that were pretty impressive. So, Yeah, well, the 3D um, engines he had were very good. Good. Well, I, I'm I'm on par with Rumi right now, so we can see what we can work out. Good deal. The future looks bright. <laughs> and Steve, I, I saw you had a brief pull up there of Hugo Dufort's um, GUI that he's doing for the yeah. Coco Three. Yeah, I gotta find Was it again on the Facebook in your list page. of stuff. Or because uh, well, that's pretty be. pretty cool looking too. Yeah, it is. Let me let me switch over to that. Um, so yeah, this is up on the Facebook page right now. But Hugo has been uh, he's been uh, talking about this for a little while now. Um, now I don't know if if this is if what game. So right now he's working on a library, which I guess will help future games. And I don't know if yeah. this is the game in particular, but I do recall. So hopefully I'm not divulging any trade secrets here. But a while ago, when he was on the air with us, he did mention. He wanted to redo one of his favorite games, which was Wildcatting. And he wanted to do a modern version of Wildcatting, which was a very cool cartridge game from the image producers. So I don't know if this is going to factor into that game or if this is just libraries he has to build for any game. But um, we'll go ahead and play the video here and uh, see what it looks like. But the you know the, the, the problem with um, making software in the Cocoa is you pretty much... You know, unless you're doing it in OS 9, you have to make everything yourself. So all these routines for windowing and fonts and all this kind of stuff, you've got to create those libraries. And this is what um, so this is a library that Hugo's working on right now. So we'll go ahead and play that. We've got title bars. We've got 3D buttons. And right now he says this is like in debug mode. So he the red lines you see over this is for his benefit to know that his code is doing what he wants it to do. But he's got yeah buttons and check boxes and radio boxes. And he said this is not optimized at all at this point. It's just you know to get it working first. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that remind you of what you were we were showing in um, OS nine or Nitrous nine? Yeah. Well, he's basically doing the same type of a low level library to except this will work for Arstos, and then you can start using the hardware tricks that are a bit harder to do under Nitrous nine, like you know horizontal scrolling and stuff. And yeah, like a drop down list. It's pretty cool. 
and it's basically. And I think he said he's going to release this to the public. Is he? I can't remember. Hey. You gotta love how Facebook. Somebody hijacked it. Yes. Um, yes. No. That's that's pretty neat. Um, here's uh, Jason. Now he's gone public with his uh, this douche mug. Uh, <laughs> so. Coco Crew podcast. Coco Crew podcast is now available for your listening pleasure. So make sure everybody uh, goes there. CocoCrew.org. Um, By the way, on on the Coco Crew podcast, yay. the fact that I I was interview, I should mention this was not going to go to my head. Uh, mainly because I found out I was the uh, the second stringer. I was the person that replaced the person who <laughs> couldn't make it. <laughs> well, listen. It's good to be number two. None of us none of us can go to our head because David Ladd was interviewed before us all. So we are but shadows in the in you know in the in the wake in, of David in the wake of David Ladd. Sir yes, David Ladd. Sir, Sir David, Ladd. David Ladd. Yes, yes. So um, good stuff. So yeah, that would definitely be cool to see. Uh, it's great to see people working on stuff and see new things coming out for the Coco. Um, I do want to get back to just a little bit of feedback that we didn't do at the top of the show. So uh, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll look at some feedback. So we'll be right back, people. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Every day, a color computer is abandoned or abused. They live in the dark recesses of garages, basements, storage sheds, barns, and attics, waiting for someone to help. Hi, I'm Helen Bleedingheart. Please say you'll be the answer for Coco suffering the effects of extreme temperature overexposure to ultraviolet light, and conditions unfit for electronics. These COCOs need your help. Please call 888-6883 or go online and join the Color Computer Preservation Society with a monthly gift right now. For just $18 a month, you can rescue COCOs from their abusive environments, provide repair of damaged parts, administer retro-bright treatments, and most of all, provide love. Call or sign up online in the next 30 minutes, and we'll send you a photo of a cocoa being lovingly reconditioned by the CCPS. And you'll receive this beautiful tote bag that declares, I saved a cocoa. Yours for your generous, perpetual monthly gift. This is your chance to say, I won't sit by while a cocoa is wasting away. Please, won't you call or go online right now? Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stro. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness gameplay Color Computer Gaming DVD today, gameplay head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring Color Computer Gameplay videos by the original gamer Stevie Stro. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stro sent you. All right, well, we are back, and uh, first thing I want to do is just kind of look at our um, 
our podcast numbers because uh, the podcast is the audio version of the show. So, you know, the show is available first and foremost as a live program that most of you are watching right now live. But for those of you who are not unable to watch it or just need to consume it a different way or enjoy consuming it a different way, like in your car and so forth, we've got the podcast version. And we're, we are continuing to break some milestones where we now have exceeded 4,500 downloads. So I think that's pretty good. We're getting close to 5,000, which is a nice number. I'm missing something right now. What, what am I missing out here in the sidebar? <laughs> Coco Man's making faces. Ah, Okay. Well, nobody else is seeing those faces right now. Okay. So that is kind of cool. But we also got a little bit of feedback from James, who uh, I think is still in the live chat. But uh, last week's show uh, about the CMock compiler, uh, we got a little bit of feedback from James. I think he responded on Facebook, too. But the first thing he mentioned, because um, we were teasing the segment, why did Tandy do that? He had a suggestion here. Hopefully, you'll devote a segment, um, and why did they violate ASCII. Um, so, you know, the way the Coco did their characters is not the standard way of doing things as far as um, some of the symbols and everything. I think the, 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 the alphabet was the same, right? Isn't that, you know, characters, you know, 65 for letter A and things like that. I think that part's standard. Yeah. But I think they strayed from there. Um, yeah. And probably had to fit in with what you could do with the VDG. Um, and then he had some nice feedback on the CMOC stuff here. And he said, um, Microware C compiler almost exactly conforms to the language as described by the KNR first edition. Um, KNR second edition is what described the ANSI 1989 standard C that I think is what CMOC is doing now. Um, he said, this, the, C preprocess the C preprocessor's purpose is to deal with the preprocessor directives and macro definitions and invocations so i think this is just maybe adding on to some of the discussions that was happening um, a separate part of the compiler tries to make sense of the source code itself it's called the parser it typically converts the source code to an internal form it said some com some compilers use expression trees or use uh, tuples is my signet right tuples or tuples I think right. it's tuples. I'm not tuples, even sure. <laughs> which is sort of like a um, abstract three operand assembly language, which can then optimize and use the generation stuff. So there's some good feedback here. KNR, which was the original C first edition, um, let one leave out the function and return type. And um, the first edition version is what the ANSI ISO C is called the unusual arithmetic promotions, requires conversions of float to double for arithmetic operations. Course, I'm reading things I have no idea what I'm reading here. I'm not, this is a language that's foreign to me, as well as widening it to an integer. Am I saying that right? So I don't yep. know if somebody else wants to read this off better than me. So ANSI and ISO does much of the same thing to define the meaning, semantics of arithmetic expressions, but then has the as if rule that says you can do whatever you bleep and want to as long as you get the same answer you'd get if you did the thing the official way. So um, he says, uh, I implemented that in Microware's 68XXX C compiler before Ultra C and made it into Ultra C Microware's ANSI conformant C compiler. I don't know how easy it'd be to do that for targeting to 6809. So there's some feedback there on C and some of the different versions of C, all of which is pretty much over my head. But um, James, thanks for the feedback. And uh, hopefully that made sense to some people smarter than me. 
It's a large collection of big words. <laughs> no, James is a very, very smart guy, and he, he worked yeah. on the compiler teams, and he was probably, out of the people that are active in the Coca community with OS9, he's probably one of the longest-running uh, people as, as far as that goes. Right, right, right. But I think that was a great segment, um, you know, hearing about CMOC, because we've heard it a little bit on the podcast, uh, because I'm not familiar with C, to hear people talk about it to a degree. I think that whole programming discussion got to be pretty good, because people were talking, I don't know if it was that episode or previous episode, we were getting into Java, and, you know, <laughs> the love-hate relationship people the have with Java. So, yeah, <laughs> so... Um, I think well, we are. Cap- that they don't know. They don't know what CMOC stands for. Like, you know, C for the mother of computers, or the mo- C is the mother of compilers <laughs> or languages or computers. Yeah. yeah. What does CMOC mm. stand for? We'd have to ask Pierre, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't go there. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you get the result you want, if you use one or other method, it's what you want. So correctness doesn't come into the picture right yeah especially if we're trying to optimize well here's <laughs> yes yes <laughs> here's the question of the day does, does, does c support self-modifying code <laughs> <laughs> self for the win <laughs> yeah so james go is still ask, with us go ask nick about self-mod go ask paul fair about self-mod <laughs> uh and I, I just want to say, too, for those of you who are watching us live, well, you're definitely welcome to join us on Skype, even if you don't have a camera. If you want to join <laughs> the conversation, you're welcome to. Um, so I'll throw out that address again. So it's cocotalk at cocotalk.live is the email address if you want to search for that as a Skype contact and um, join us rather than typing to us. You're, you're always welcome to. Um, so thanks for the feedback. Um, it's nice to know that we have some intelligent people on the program and some intelligent people watching it i'm neither of those so uh, but it's good it's good all right guys what else we need to talk about crickets there we go the crickets there's stuff in discord we were talking about i can't remember now i don't know we are going i think we've covered uh, quite a lot today yeah we have covered quite a lot we are going on about two and a half hours so maybe we save some and maybe we'll decide offline if we want to do an after dark, or if we want to decide now. Maybe we will do an after dark tonight, like around nine o'clock or something like that. Uh, anybody up for that? Sure. Like sure. I said, I won't be able to attend. I've got, I've got uh, technical support to do for my mom tonight. So okay, okay. Which usually involves Possibly. supper and stuff. Well, I can I can be there, but I'll be off and on because I'm installing the client PC. Okay. Not a problem, not a problem. So we will tentatively plan on around 9 p.m. tonight. We'll do a Coco Talk After Dark live on the Coco Talk Facebook group. So make sure you follow us over there on the Facebook page. And I will put that in the link as well. So that is um, basically uh, Facebook.com. 9 p.m. Eastern time, right? So it's It's Facebook.com. Use Alan's jingle. Uh, we could do that. There Let's was that one right other now. thing I wanted to have on the show today, if you, if you don't mind, and that's to show Glenn Hewlett's progress on Defender. Ah, yes. Ooh, yeah. Uh, let's go back to that. Let me go back to the group. I'm going to search for that, and we're going to find it. And this is why... Because that's pretty impressive. It is beyond impressive, so... Uh, and this is trying to search on... 
Is Glenn one one N, right? I believe so. You lose your Here we go. Alright, so I found the post. Let me switch over the screen. Jason making his faces again. Okay. So here we have uh, I'm just coming in for a really close look. Yes. Okay. So here it is. Now, do these link to a video? Or is it just a blog post? No, there's actually a video. Okay. All right. So what you I'm going to do the, real quick. The highlighted video on yes. YouTube there. Yes, I see it. I'm going to post that link. Okay. So I'm posting a link to Glenn's blog real quick for those of you who are watching it. And now we're going to do it live. We're going to show the video here of the attract screens of what he's doing so far. Defender. Nice loading screen here. Is this like defense? Wait for it. Wait for it. Ooh, there's the sounds. There's the loading screen. This is exactly how the ar arcade machines boot up because yep. I've done this in MAME. Williams. Electronics presents. Look at that. Ooh, it kind of implodes in. That looks really good, that attract screen there. And the color cycling's looking good. It's it's pretty well exact the same as the arcade was. Sound and all. But we're only getting eight uh, six bit pallets versus eight bit. Eight, yeah. And that was it. Oh man. That was gorgeous. That was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Glenn Hewlett. What's the game going to be like? Is it? I never played it, so Glenn it Hewlett is. Up, a, uh, it's a very, very iconic side-scrolling space shooter. It's called Defender. You shoot bad okay. guys. You pick up little people. You rescue the people. You land them on the ground. Um, very classic arcade game. It spawned another oh, sequel okay. that was called Stargate. Um, there's a bunch of yeah. Defender clones on the Coco. Curtis and I did a showcase on a bunch of Defender clones. Very, very popular game. Um, and the interesting thing about Defender is it actually used a 6809 processor. So huh. the transcoding now is going to require less of a language conversion and more of hardware to software emulation conversions, I would imagine. Yeah, sprites and sound chips and stuff is what he's yeah. going to emulate. But basically the code's the same. <clears throat> yeah, almost, not quite, because they had to blitter. Right, right. Yeah, Blitzer. well, that's why he's got to emulate the blitter and hardware and, and emulate the sound chip, kind of like uh, Sock did with Donkey Kong, where he had to emulate the, those chips, too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but he's doing a very, very, very good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is now the third arcade game. He brought us Space Invaders, Pac-Man, and now Defender. These are all classic, iconic games. You know, if you had like a top, and we're getting 10. the full arcade port. This is like main yes. for the Coco, just about at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So thanks, Glenn. We've had Glenn on in the past. Hopefully, we'll have Glenn on again as we have some more to show off there. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So I guess we'll go around the room and we'll wrap everything up. If anybody has anything they want to plug, and if not, hopefully tonight we'll continue the fun and frolicking on Coco Talk after dark. Drinking is not. Mandatory, but highly encouraged for Coco Talk After Dark, and um, we won't talk about it. As if you have to talk. <laughs> well, it depends on what country you're in. So for us, yeah. it will be. For you, it looks like it already is dark, Simon. So yeah, it's 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 quarter to eleven. 
Yeah, so, so for you it'll be uh, it'll be ass early. So Coco Talk ass early in the morning. So. <laughs> Coco Talk breakfast edition. Yeah, <laughs> gotta drink the breakfast. Tim Franklin Those says I, time I, I just and woke in up. Australia, it'll be next Tuesday. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So we're gonna go around the room. Mark Overholzer, any parting thoughts? Anything you want to plug? Oh, been fun like usual. It's amazing this show can go three hours with just a few ideas. But hey, yeah, I like being here, and it was all good. It was good. Nice shirt you're wearing there too, by the way. Thank you. And I got it at eight bit two fifty six dot com. Excellent, excellent. And uh, we have uh, Ron saying, "Show us your Tandy color computer." I like the other phrase that says, "Show us your something else that starts with T's," but. Um, <laughs> you're not suggesting a wet cocoa contest are you? <laughs> show us your tandy color no not the wet cocoa <laughs> that yeah, might be for the, the dark early yeah days. that might be the after dark show right so <laughs> it's just a call to show your machine up yes there. so show that's an no show even just show what you know you're doing during the day if you're you know if you put up uh even if you uh, do BBS, uh, playing around with a BBS, or, look at there. There's, Man, there's a topless cocoa that Jason just held yeah. up. So, <laughs> Alan Huffman, parting thoughts, anything you want to plug before we wrap up this train wreck? No, I'm just hoping that uh, maybe in the next week or so I'll have something to show you with the little experimental plug-in module for internet on the cocoa. Excellent. Is that a Jolt Cola you're yes, drinking there? yes. It is always a jolt cola. As long as Dollar General stocks them, I will be buying them. That's right. So this episode of Coco Talk has been sponsored by Jolt Cola. Paul Thayer, thanks for showing us a little sneak peek at your program. Anything you want to plug or parting thoughts before we go? No, sir. Had a good time. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. Nick Barentes, good day. Good is obvious. Oh, you should plug your websites back up. What's your new domain name for your website, Nick? Uh, well, that's easy now. It's www.nickmarentes, with all one word, dot com. You didn't go because to ease of that, use so. com was taken. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to copy and, and, and paste that. So is it Nick Marentes or is it Nick Marentes? Have I been saying your name wrong all these years? Marentes, M-A-R-E-N-T-E-S. Nick Marentes. So nickmarentes.com is back online. Uh, Well, that's a new domain name, so you don't have to type in like half the... The website's up the same. The website's up there. You can look at all Nick's previous offerings as well as order Popstar Pilot. Sanity on show. Yeah. And look at the updates for Gunstar. Funstar to be released on ROM Cartridge. (laughs) <laughs> on the weekend yes yes no manual required <laughs> <laughs> yes and curtis boyle we can look forward to an interview with um curtis boyle on the coco i don't know if you want to call it looking forward to but okay <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so I, I guess one update that grant mentioned in the chat here too that i should mention is that we actually have officially gotten a table at coco fest for the ease of use project so we'll be demoing that and, and answering any questions anybody has we might even see if we can sneak a little speech or something on it if, okay. if there's enough interest to warrant it um nice. i'm still working on pits of it i'm getting busy with work it's our traditional seasonal busy time for baseball so i'm, I'm getting less and less time to fiddle 
But uh, Dave and I are also going to be doing a couple of little patches, hopefully for the uh, level one Nitrous Nine for the dragons and the Cocoa One and Twos, and, and doing some six through nine code for that too, because it hasn't really been a lot put in. So we're going to try to give a couple little bits there just to get people started and give them an excuse to, since they already have a socketed CPU, mm. that they can actually put a 6 through 9 in and actually run it faster. So Neat. Very cool. Coco Man, any parting uh, silly faces or words of wisdom for us? <laughs> <laughs> silly faces would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Freeze frame. Don't turn up right a there. douche. He is the man. Smug. <laughs> With that mug. <laughs> yeah. Is that a mug shot? That's a mug shot. Look at that mug and look at that ceramic glass he's holding up next to that. So yeah. Hi-yo. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Cocoman dot org. Cocoman org and Simon Jonason, the madman. Any parting thoughts? Well, look at my shirt, right? This is this is composite. Composite. So it's pretty heavy artifacting going on there. If we put that into RGB, you've got the twisty candy bar. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to end this episode 44 of Coco Talk. This one was called Tell Me Why Did Tandy Do That? Why did Tandy do that? Well, if Tandy hadn't done what Tandy did, none of us would be here today talking about it. So we'll see you next week on Coco Talk, everybody. Or tonight. That's right. Tonight, Coco Talk Live. Uh, Coco Talk After Dark, 9 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye. Bring your flashlight. (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) Yeah, wait. I'm sorry. I completely forgot. I forgot to say goodbye to everybody in the live chat. So we got to go back and do that. Sorry about that, guys. So this is what happens when you do a live show, right? So in the live chat today, we had Nor- we had Norlander and James Jones and Tim Franklin and Nick Moroda was here. And uh, Ken, Ken Make It was here. Mark Overholzer, Coco Man, Nick Moroda, James Jones. Uh, Mark Overholzer, Jim Gary was in the live chat. Solstice was in the live chat. He had to leave a little while ago. Uh, Fiscap was here, Paul Fiscarelli Fiscap, Grant Leedy trolling us in the live chat um, James Jones, Fiscap Nick, Solstice, Nick James, Grant okay, have I gotten everybody, Mark Overholzer Coco Man, Mark Nick, uh, James, Mark I think we're doing good, Richard Lorbieski was in the live chat, doing some trolling Curtis Boyle, Davey Mitchell was here, hey Davey, how are you and Ken was here and Richard Tom C. was in the live chat, and Mark Overholzer, and Richard, and Richard, a lot of Richards. John Linville was in the live chat, and so was Coco Man, and Grant, and Richard, and yeah, a lot of live chatting going on here today. We're up to like 21 viewers. Alan Huffman was in the live chat, James Jones, Tim Franklin, I know I'm repeating myself, but I don't remember, and Nick Marotta, and Tim Franklin, and that's cool. All right, so back. You only have 8K. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so back to the outro. Thanks, guys, for being here. And a hose. <laughs> Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer needs.
Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, then visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash Coco Talk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Rick Adams, Rom Delvaux, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Nick Morentis, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our Best of 2017 episode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at CocoCrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at GlensideCCC.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at Go, the number four, Retro.com. Tandy Assembly at TandyAssembly.com. Cloud9 Technologies at Cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N, tech.com. David Ladd, Grant Leedy, Mark Overhoser, Bill Noble, Karen Anscombe, Brendan Donahue, Rumbelbo, and we are wrapping up. Coco Talk, episode 44. Thank you all. May the Schwartz be with you. And good night. That's all, folks.